<laughs> Welcome to Killstreak, episode 58. <laughs> I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, is Mr. Michael Price. Sometimes I call us Dick and McGooley. Not tonight, though. Tonight we are just going by our real names. How are you, Mike? All right, let me see if I can fare any better. <clears throat> Was that? Ooh, that's much better Was than that mine. Again? Uh, I feel like you delivered yours to, to call it, you know, everybody loves it when podcasts talk about other podcasts. Um, you delivered that with all the gusto of uh, of Mitch from Doughboys doing his signature drop with deep, deep shame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am nothing if not ashamed of this podcast, so that, that fits. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, nothing works better than 40% commitment. Um, <laughs> yeah i mean we've, we've gotten 58 episodes on 40 percent commitment at do you do the math it adds up to 100 percent sometimes <laughs> i guess i'm not a math major 100 percent of oh, the man, time we stop. try sometimes <laughs> that's a good way to put it yeah. oh we are vaxxed boys hey you that's right your second dose i got my second dose Congratulations. today we're rushing to record this episode before i fall into the uh post second shot fugue of the Moderna, yeah. but uh, so far I feel fine. Um, who knows? Maybe I, I told price. Sticky. I told price that I was a uh, happy for him, but uh, you know, he should have run this by me. I don't think the timing on this all worked out. So, you know, if, if this podcast episode sucks, you can blame Mike and uh, you know, I'm glad he's not going to get COVID, but really could you have pushed it a day? No, that wasn't an option. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we're also recording this soon after our last episode because yeah. uh, I'm going to go visit my mom for the first time in a year. Hey, my hey. mom and her husband. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, everybody's all vaccinated. So uh, we're going to do it. She hasn't seen my son in over a year. So um, I'm going to hear a lot about how much he's grown. Oh, you're taking him with you. <laughs> yeah. Huh? I wasn't going to leave him home. Just <laughs> um, him by himself with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious screaming for the dog to come wipe his butt (laughs) oh man my allergies are acting up i'm about to sneeze hopefully i don't we'll see wow or maybe i should it'll feel good to do it but anyway i'm gonna fight through it we're talking about alien covenant here today this will be the final installment in our alien coverage we'll be doing a ranking episode that comes out later this week yeah, but this is the uh, the last we have for you as far as aliens go. We did not do Alien versus Predator or Alien versus Predator Requiem. Yeah. Um, a, we didn't really have much of an interest. Yeah. Also, B, we were going to maybe do something, but then my, this trip kind of boned it. So I apologize yeah. if you're fans of those movies, but they're not. Maybe canon. when we get around to doing, no. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if we ever do Predator, yeah, even though it's more that's of an action true. movie, we can. Do those as special episodes? Who knows? Are you suggesting that we wouldn't be able to do the Predator series? No, I think we could. Okay. The first one's more of an action. It's an action horror. Yeah, no, I think we could. Yeah. I would love to at some point. I love those movies. Yeah, me too. Well, except the last one. That's fucking terrible. Oh, I never I didn't see it. The Predator, <laughs> Predators or whatever. I didn't see that no, one. No, The Predator. Uh, it's, yeah, The Predator. The Predator. Predator. I have yeah. a hard time with that word, actually. Turns out predator. the real Predator is autism. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> oh, man. Spoiler alert for the predator. Pr- predator Aut- autism isn't actually the predator. Autism is just a big 
plot point, and it's handled as deftly as you would hope. Uh, yeah. So. Um. Well, here we are. Blood and guts check. This is my first time watching Alien Covenant. Uh huh. I was happy to not have to do notes. Sure. Mike is once again doing the notes on this. Um, because I wanted to pay attention. It's mm-hmm. nice to watch a movie cold for the first time without having to take notes. Um. You've seen this one before, right? I have. This was, I think, similar to Prometheus, my third watch. I saw it in the theater. I saw it once on demand at home, and this was round three for me. Okay. Yeah, this came out in the exact time where I just was not seeing movies Mm -hmm. uh, because my son was like two years old. Right. And it was very hard to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see it because I like the Alien series and I like Prometheus. But I just like I, I had to pick my spots for movies I was gonna, you know, yeah, under- make my wife stay home and watch the baby with. Understood, understood. And so then you've it seen it now. For me. Yeah. What's uh? I mean, lay it on us. How did how did your viewing go? Uh, okay, so I I mostly enjoyed it. Um, I think it's it's a really strong first hour or so, mm-hmm. and then um kind of lost me a little bit towards the end okay um not i'm not you know in sort of in the middle portion it sort of starts to to lose me a little bit but i think all in all it is it it, i I enjoyed it Mm. i enjoyed watching it yeah what about yourself third time around um i would say i mean withholding some of my feelings and thoughts for the end as i always like to do um it probably held up best on this viewing Sure. Um, I th- I, I think that it did benefit from watching the entire series in the run up to this. Yeah, and it also benefits from having watched Prometheus like four days ago, um, mm-hmm. because, and I think we'll get into this because this is probably one of my biggest complaints is maybe not even about this movie. It's just about sort of the choices that were made in this, if we want to call it like the prequel saga that. Seems to be ongoing. It sounds like Ridley Scott is still planning on releasing one more of these, which, frankly, I'm happy to see. You know? Yeah, me too. Um, but I think that it's weird because there's different ways you could evaluate this movie. It's like, are are we looking at it as a standalone film in the context of the whole series or uh, in the context of being something like a direct sequel to Prometheus? And I think it's, it's, it works to a different degree in all three of those contexts. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think as a direct sequel to Prometheus, it works pretty well, mm-hmm. although I would argue that it is much less ambitious than than Prometheus. Yes. For better and worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that to some it's to its credit in some ways. Yeah. That it's not trying to do as much. Yeah. It, it's not as much of a uh, as you put like a college stoner. <laughs> I mean, it has it does definitely have some of mm-hmm. that, but not not as nasal gazy. Right. As, um, Prometheus. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, you know, it naval, not nasal. nasal. Sorry, nasal gavy. <laughs> Thinking about my stuffed nose for my allergies. Well, we both got a little extra stuffiness tonight, so this will be this will be fun for the audience. This is a good one. Yes. Uh, anyways, let me adjust my glasses. Um. So, uh, what? Yeah, what I was gonna say is, I think that I think you're right, and I think that it it smartly sort of narrows its focus down to really. David, basically, where it's like the first one 
with all of the the big you know ambitions that it has like it i think it also like it tries there's there's too much going on especially considering that Ridley Scott and Damon Lindelof truly do not answer 75% of the questions that they posit in the movie, yes. right? Right. So, yeah. So this movie definitely does a better job of like at least addressing the things that it brings up itself. Um uh-huh. I think it's a little bit unsatisfying in terms of like, oh, so they did make a sequel to Prometheus. And then it's like you watch it and it's like, and they still didn't answer most of the big questions of Prometheus. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Unless mm-hmm. you want to save it for like while we're no, in it. No, not at all. Um, what, were, what were some of your big questions coming out of Prometheus that you feel like um, that this did not answer for you? So, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just, yeah. I'm just curious. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's largely about it, around around the engineers right yeah essentially the motivations of the engineers the intentions of the engineers um, yeah i think that it is it is a funny choice to take us to what if not is the home planet of the engineers was at least a planet populated by the engineers and they yeah are in the movie for one flashback that is all of 30 seconds, right? Yeah, I agree. That is That was very weird. For The engineers play a really small port- part in this movie mm-hmm. where they felt like they were a huge part of Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, even though they're really um, not on screen that long, it's like they loom large in the narrative. Yeah, not so much in this one. It, the, the human cast has no interest in the engineers whatsoever. Yeah. Or, or like... I mean, I would think if I were, uh, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. They're pretty distracted. Right. But I would at least be like, holy shit, we're on a fucking other planet mm-hmm. that was a civilization. Yeah. And like, I want to look around some of these buildings. You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they don't have time for that. Right. But it, given the plot. But, but I, I mean, I agree with you. And I think that is a bit of an oversight. And it, it misses the sense of, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. it misses the sense of, um, wonder yeah that prometheus has i think that's so one of the strengths of prometheus mm-hmm. is that you do feel like you're on an alien planet and you do yes. like they're all like in awe of right right and then things go south from there i think in terms of like how yeah. people act in that environment but yeah at, at least in the introduction to uh lv223 if my memory serves yeah it seems they do a better job of that so yeah i mean i think that's my biggest issue i mean also it's like that whole movie, I mean, we do get what is sort of an Alien 3 type move here where it's like, you know, we talked about how her character wasn't sketched out particularly well and neither of us like loved Shaw or Numi Rapace, as we oh, yes, both yes. know it's pronounced, uh, mm-hmm. right? Of course, we were testing the audience. Yeah, last week. Um, but it's like, you know, she's the centerpiece of the whole thing. And then in this movie, it's like, up oh, and... <laughs> Poochie died on his way back to his home planet, you know? Yeah, I have some stuff to say about that mm-hmm. in my in, in the next, like, segment. Okay. But yeah, it's, um, it is a weird, a weird thing that make, that felt, uh, when you, when it's revealed what happened to her, I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. Frankly. And, um, I was also pretty, uh, oh, shit, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> my nose started dripping. Oh, no. Um. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that, and and those are those are complaints that I have. 
But it's like, so what I will say is like, though, like maybe counter to to what your opinion seemed to be. I think of those three categories that I named, like standalone movie, part of the Alien series, sequel to Prometheus. I think that it's a better part of the overall franchise than it is a direct sequel to Prometheus because. It, I mean, and everybody has different things that they want, obviously. But for me, it's like Prometheus was cool in its ambitions, but I find myself feeling more satisfied by having a movie that is trying to be an alien movie to some degree, right? Yeah, it's a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, Prometheus was like almost active. It feels like if the movie has like its own you know, if I'm personifying the movie and giving it its own intentions, it's like trying not to be an alien movie. Yeah. And this yeah. one doesn't do that. This one is like, Hey, we're going to take, it really does feel like a synthesis or like, you know, it's like, Hey, let's find a middle ground between Prometheus and what would just be a direct alien sequel or prequel. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered my biggest gripe sure. for the movie, which, which is, as we said in Prometheus, the se- the, the problem with sequels is I'm very unsatisfied with the explanation of the xenomorph and how the xenomorph uh-huh. came to be. Yeah. In it in a, in a way that's like I wish they this is going to make it sound like I really didn't like the movie. I, that's not true. I did like it. But that this element, I just wish they would have left well enough alone. Mm. I don't give a fuck about how the xenomorph was created. <laughs> to me it's cooler mm-hmm. that it just beca- it was just a thing. It's yeah. just a thing on a planet. You know, that's way cooler to me. I do think that I felt that way. The first time I saw this movie. Uh-huh. And now I actually kind of, I'm not saying I prefer the way they had decided to handle it here with the origin, the true origin of the Xenomorph, but I actually think I liked it this time. Okay. I, and, and, and I, and I think that that, that did change over time over seeing this three times. Cause I did find that frustrating initially. And now I'm like, you know what? Tracking the whole thing. I kind of like it. I kind of like the decision. Thematically with Prometheus, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of everything that happens, it does make sense. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is I don't need it to make sense. I don't need it. I don't <laughs> sure. need it there. I, I don't. I would just rather see. Yes. I, I, just, I don't care about the origins of the Xenomorph. I agree with. I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty reasonable opinion. And it's one that I often have. And I feel like I'm kind of operating with this understanding that it's like, well, we're in this like universe now that was born out of Prometheus where it's like, we do ask questions like, where do things come from? Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and so it's like, once Prometheus happened, then I think that if that sets the mold that there needs to be an origin to this stuff, then I like the decisions that they made. Yeah. But I think it's better. I mean, like the original alien is, Okay, spoiler alert, better than this movie. Um, oh, man, we'll save it for the next episode. <laughs> right? But the first one is like, yeah, it has none of that stuff, and it needs none of that stuff. And I agree with you on, on that, generally speaking. So it's like, if we give the caveat that you have to have an origin story for the Xenomorphs, then I kind of like the one that they picked. It's really funny to think about a world where somebody were just to watch Prometheus then Covenant, and then the first Alien for the first time. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Because it would feel so disjointed mm-hmm. and so strange to go from like these big, grand, like mm-hmm. man playing God, God playing man, all this shit, right. to like 
space truckers on a <laughs> yeah on a on a spaceship like a dinky with one, little old ship and one alien with yeah. a single alien yeah 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 no you're 100 percent right and that's that is another problem i think you know it's a, mm-hmm. you know but when we take this all into account i don't know we can talk about that stuff more later why don't you tell us a little bit uh, of what you want us to know about the uh, the behind the scenes yeah. of this movie. Well, I certainly don't have as much to say about this one than I, than I did Prometheus, uh, mostly because I don't think the making of this was as well documented or as mm. big of a deal as Prometheus. Okay. Um. So Scott originally, when before Prometheus even came out, had it in his mind that he wanted to make a sequel and maybe even two sequels to Prometheus. Sure. So this this was something that was already like kind of in the works when they were making Prometheus. Um, it wasn't originally it was not going to be involved xenomorphs. There were some um titles that were floating around, and the one that kind of uh stuck around the most was Alien Paradise Lost. Right. Was was the like <laughs> a, original title essentially. Pretty pretty evocative, very specific. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was originally going to be a direct sequel from Prometheus and follow Dr. Shaw and David as they land on the engineer planet. We do get some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but um, as if you've seen the movie, Dr. Shaw is all but cut out of the movie. Interestingly enough, Rumi Nepas, Rapas, Numi Rapas, Numi Rapas, I transposed the letters, um, was actually on set and did shoot some stuff mm-hmm. for this. She she had a much bigger role, regular role in this movie, but it ended up getting cut. Huh. Um, and some, some explanations are is because of studio involvement. I'm not really sure. Okay. <clears throat> and also this bumped Neil Blomkamp. Do you remember Neil Blomkamp was supposed to make yeah. Alien five mm-hmm. and this totally like, you know, shat on his parade. <laughs> and I think probably that's a good thing because I don't think Neil Blomkamp is very good. <laughs> You're not a big cha- chappy head? Uh, no, that's the only good one he's made. Okay, cool. As long <laughs> as we can agree on that. Yeah, we can, we can agree on that. Um, so for writers, Lind- Lindelof didn't really have much interest in coming back. Um, although he was like, well, if Ripley asked Ripley, Jesus, what is going on with me? Today? Yeah, you really can't talk today. I really can't talk tonight. Uh, if Ridley asks me, maybe I will. Yeah, see, it sounds like it never really happened. So instead, they got a guy named Jack Paglin to write the first draft, who his best credit, best known credit mm. is the Johnny Depp movie Transcendence, oh. which I think was universally shat upon. Yeah, that is the ul- <laughs> Transcendence is like it is the ultimate HBO bought this movie. So that they can yeah. say that they have like first run, you know, theatrical yeah, yeah, releases yeah. right after they come out. And it's like, yeah, that's a movie that people might watch if it comes on that their is... TV. <laughs> uh, so then it was rewritten by Michael Green, who wrote Logan and Blade Runner. Okay. That's both wait, of those. Blade drafts... Runner? I'm sorry. Blade Runner 2049. Not the original Blade Runner. Still very good movie. Did he write? Wait, did he write that script alone or with somebody else? Uh, I'm not sure if he wrote, let me, let me look it up. I'm not sure if he wrote, uh, <laughs> you never do this to me. You're like, wait, hold on. I have follow up questions about your name. <laughs> yeah, <about> <laughs> Go deeper. I... <laughs> um, so then those, those two drafts or, you know, however many drafts they made didn't mm. really go anywhere. Finally, 
the final writers on it were John Logan, Dante Harper. Those other two guys got story by credits, but they're the ones who took it over the finish line. Mm-hmm. They definitely wanted to make it more of a horror movie. Um, and I think in that regards, they succeeded. It's a pretty good horror movie. Yeah. Um, so then uh, it was ended up being shot in Australia. The budget was $93 million, so uh, about $40 million cheaper than Prometheus. Okay. I think that shows it's a smaller movie than Prometheus, although there are some really great set pieces. Yeah. It's a smaller movie, and we really, you know, we went into detail last week about how I think both of us felt like the CG was pretty well done in Prometheus. Yes. And I don't think I feel the same way about this one. I don't feel the same way in this one either, especially. Yeah, we'll get to it when we talk about it. But some of the baby Xenomorph stuff really Mm. just did not work for me. Uh, Darius Wolski, Darius Wolski. I don't know how to pronounce (laughs) his name. Polish fella. Uh Um, He returns as cinematographer, also worked on Prometheus. It looks great. You know, like it was shot shot beautifully. Mm -hmm. Definitely has the same visual style as Prometheus more than the other alien movies. Uh, and I think one thing that's really missing is the designer, production designer, Alan Max, is not involved in this one. Okay. Um, instead, we got Chris Seeger, mm-hmm. Seegers. Um, and, I, you know, not, not to shit on anything he did. I think it looks cool. But I do think there's, it's lacking that obsessive touch that Prometheus, I felt like, ran through Prometheus. What are some things that you like in Prometheus that you feel like are missing from this in that respect? Um. I, I felt like the the inside of the the mound was was really really great. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, in some of the you know the engineers' technology, mm-hmm. all that stuff was very cle- was cool and, okay. and interesting. Interesting. You don't see as much of that here. There are there is some really cool stuff on the engineer planet, mm-hmm. like that uh, scorpion tail like docking station for right. like their yeah. ships is mm-hmm. pretty neat. But you don't really get like any big explorations of the engineers yeah. environments or anything like that. I agree with that. I, the reason I asked is because I think that I like the uh, spaceship stuff better in this movie than I do. Oh, sure. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And largely for the reasons we talked, like I mentioned last week is the whole like Apple store feel of Prometheus. And I think this one does feel closer to the alien series. Yeah, I'll agree. I agree with that. It's more of a workhorse ship. Yeah. Than a, uh, you know, fancy trillion dollar project ship. Although it probably costs way more than a trillion dollars. <laughs> they have like 2000 people on board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so, uh, the Neomorph itself is the Xenomorph now is called the Neomorph until we get the actual mm-hmm. Xenomorph. The only thing I wanted to say about that was it was designed after a goblin shark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that is interesting. I feel like they, is this the first time no okay so it's not the first time that we've had the quadrupedal aliens because alien 3 has that alien 3 yeah but it's like they run like monkeys Mm am i am i wrong about that like with the tail up in the air and stuff no i i definitely thought they ran like monkeys okay Um, cool and so much so that i was like it sort of broke the rules a little Mm -hmm. bit for me because typically when somebody's infected with one of these things, their DNA fuses with it. So it's more like whatever it came out of right. with like a Xenomorph features. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 
And then, and then actually, they uh, specifically made the final xenomorph more human-like mm-hmm. in its walking, which I think actually looks very bad. <laughs> like, I don't like the. Way, I don't. He looks. He just looks like a skinny guy walking around. Yeah, I don't like it. Well, so uh, here's. I don't know if you have the answer to this question or not, but like, it feels to me like the neomorphs that do away with most of the crew. Um, you know, in the first half of the movie. Yeah. Is that a different creature than the one that they encounter inside the structure? The, um, in, in alien covenant or in, in alien movies? covenant in this movie, because it's like the, the sequence where like David is treating it like a horse, you know, it's like, yeah, and the way that I that one's the same one, but it like, it stands completely differently. It stands up straight and it has like, the, then it looks human. It has this like human kind of collarbone and chest yeah you know you're right but the, the, the other two were newborns okay i don't know I, I don't have an answer yeah but my speculation my head canon was they were the same things mm-hmm. i might be incorrect though okay yeah so you didn't um, you didn't do exhaustive research on that is what you're saying i didn't it, since we shot we recorded the last episode two days ago i didn't okay fair <laughs> enough yeah, fair <laughs> enough um and you know we got some Michael Fassbender returning as David, um, and Walter doing, and Walter, yep, doing some good work. We have Billy Crudup joining the cast. Danny McBride was a surprise for me. I didn't realize that he was in this movie. Uh, oh, it's kind of a welcome presence, and it makes sense. He's a, he's a big horror sci fi guy, obviously. Yeah, he co-wrote Halloween. Now that now that we know that, it makes sense. But I feel at the time, I was like, what? What the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is weird. He's a, I think he's okay. I think occasionally he slips over into feeling too much like Kenny comedy Powers. actor Danny McBride. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. he does a good job in this movie though. Yeah. Most it's mostly serious. Um yeah, the only other person I wanted to call it. Oh, it's a couple people. Callie uh-huh. Hernandez, we've covered yeah. before. Blair Witch, right? Blair Witch, yeah. Uh, it's nice I, to see it, her getting work. It took me a second to remember what she was from, but I was like the second I saw her, I was like, Who is that? She's so hot. Oh, she's then, super hot. Surprising nude scene too. Yeah, not the not only to, one in the sh- in the whole series. The right? only one in the series, and it takes place like mostly at the end. It's like the end of the movie when we get yeah. like a shower sex scene. It's very weird. strange choice. Yeah, and it's with Jussie Smollett. <laughs> Why is he noteworthy? He's noteworthy because he faked his own assault and blamed oh. it on. <laughs> Oh, okay. like MAGA people. Not oh, that I'm right. defending them at all. all right, but, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's all I really had. Uh, like I said, this wasn't. Mm. This movie doesn't have a, a three and a half hour long documentary yeah. that you can learn, <laughs> learn about. Uh, I want to shout out one other member of the cast, Amy Simetz. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, who the reason I want to talk about her is because. Someone that I was friendly with when I first moved to Los Angeles. Um, because before she really took off as a very, a very, I mean, she was always very talented, but as like a real serious actor, she was um, heavily involved in like the alt comedy scene uh, in LA. She was part of a very funny uh, duo called Machu Picchu with another comedian, Ann Maddox, uh, who's very talented, but. I got to be in one of their shows very, very briefly. And oh, that's a, awesome. We could post on our Twitter, but there's a cute picture of me with a terrible facial hair, head hair situation 
uh, on stage being um, sort of, what's the word, doted on by Amy and Anne. And, oh. uh, a little Easter egg we can throw to our Twitter. But I've always been a huge fan of hers even before she took off. But yeah, she, um, you know, people might know her from starring in Pet Cemetery, the remake. Um, she's also one of the showrunners and uh, of the Girlfriend Experience, the show on, uh, I think it's oh, Showtime I or Cinemax. I'm I'm sure I've never one. watched it. I, yeah. I like the movie, though. Super, super talented, multi-hyphenate. She directs, she writes, she acts. She's the total package. Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that just about covers it. If you, uh, you have anything else you want to add before we move on? No. Sounds good. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right. We are back. And you got me back in the saddle again for your recap this week. Um, last week, I went, I'm going to say 45 minutes over what I planned. So basically double the amount of time I had uh, hoped to spend on the recap. So I'm going to see if I can move a little faster this week. Maybe I can. Maybe I can't. Well, you know, we'll see. It's an experiment. We'll you know, I'm an, I'm a noob at this. So we're figuring Not a seasoned pro like me. That's right. Definitely not as salty as Eric is. Um, <laughs> well seasoned. <laughs> so uh, we begin our film uh with it, it's a two-hander. We get a little bit of a prologue. Uh, Michael Fassbender returning as David. And now, for the first time in a completely separate movie, we have the reason why we had to watch Guy Pierce in shitty old man makeup for all of Prometheus. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's an um, interesting... That is kind of cool in a way. Like, the more yeah. I think about it, it's like, it is kind of cool that they did that all just so you could do this scene. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we have Guy Pierce still old manned up a little bit, but playing maybe 60 instead of a hundred or whatever the hell he was in Prometheus. Um, and it's heavily implied that this is just, uh, uh, moments after the birth of David, the Android. Um, it's, you know, his first moments, uh, Wayland asks him what he sees. He describes the room and the chair that he's in and they have a little bit of a back and forth, but you know, the thrust of it is, you know, Wayland says, I'm your father, you know? Um, and understandably, David has some existential questions. Um, they kind of go back and forth. Uh, he shows off some of his skills. Wayland tells him to play something on the piano. And he asks what? He says, uh, play Wagner. Your, your choice, whatever song you want. He plays some uh some notes from what's the name of the song valhalla it's uh yeah like entry, entry of valhalla. yeah entry yeah. of the gods into valhalla which wayland always the supportive father basically points out that it sounds anemic without an orchestra <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, it's really like rich dad insulting yeah. your son truly just nagging him from the first moments post-birth uh, but, you know, clearly establishing an understandable dynamic that, who knows, may or may not metastasize into uh, a global holocaust. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's some existential back and forth. If you created me, then who created you? And, you know, Waylon sort of acknowledges that, yeah, that's kind of the big question. Uh, all of the things, all of these things on Earth, art and furniture and cool white rooms they're all meaningless in the face of the only one question that really matters 
Where did we come from? There must be more, and you and I, son, we will find it. So, this doesn't get David quite as inspired as you might, you know, as Waylon might have hoped. He, you know, brings up some more interesting questions about the nature of their different existences and points out that, well, you created me, but, you know, you will die and I will not. What, is, what does that mean? And Waylon's response is, bring me my tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally just like putting him in his place. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and again, you know, this prologue hits pretty on the... It's funny because it's like having finished the movie and going back and watching this, it feels very on the nose. But in reality, you don't know what's coming. So it is kind of an interesting... I like it as an effective way of kind of like setting up the themes that will drive David's motivations, you know. Yeah. And it really does. I mean, it continues the theme of the last movie, too. Which would be an interesting, like, whatever this third one will be, it would be mm-hmm. cool to see it all cut linearly. So, like, it's starting with this, or if they even go back further in the other one. Oh, I mean, obviously, no, it would start with the uh, the opening at the Isle of Man, or whatever the fuck, Isle of no, the, the, Sky. Yeah, or no, the Iceland yeah. stuff with the engineer. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. So you mean, like, a, like a Godfather-type uh, yeah, thing, Yeah, exactly, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That would be very interesting. I, I would like to see that. Um. So we cut away, our prologue ends, we get uh, our titles over stars out in the galaxy. Uh, As we often do, we get introduced to our ship. It is the Colonization Vessel Covenant, a crew of 15. The year is 2104. The ship is carrying 2,000 colonists, about 1,100 embryos, and has an ETA of another seven years and four months until it reaches its final destination. Um... We are introduced to Walter, who is American David. Um, but you American know. David. <laughs> Stay with me yeah. and keep David away from me, is, is what I would say <laughs> to American David. Um, how do you feel about Fassbender's American accent, Eric? It's not great. <laughs> no. All right, I've good. heard better from him. Yeah. Um, it's something we can agree on. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to say I love the first words that that uh, Wayland has to David. Sorry to backtrack. No, no, is no ambulate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like to get up and walk around. <laughs> ambulate. When I have my first child, I'm going to stand ambulate over them in an e- in 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 the birthing room and just <laughs> glower and demand that they ambulate. I suspect I'll be disappointed. Yeah, you will be. Uh, just like Wayland. Um, <laughs> anyways, so David uh, sets, or sorry, not David, Walter, clearly two different characters, important to note. Uh, he deploys the ship's energy sails. This is a cool piece of tech we've never seen before. But again, yeah. it begs the question, is this too futuristic? Considering that this movie is still 20 plus, or I don't know if it's 70 years maybe before well, the events of Alien. I'll tell you what, my friend, they have what? those now. Oh shit! Sun, sun sails. That's that is a technology that exists. Yeah, that's pretty cool. If they don't, yeah. if they don't actually work, they I've seen like at a at JPL. I've okay. seen. Okay, uh, I know it's a th- it's a, it's definitely a you know an idea that had been floated for some time. I didn't know if they were yeah. working. Well, that's pretty sweet. Walter checks in on the crew. Uh, we've got Daniels in cryo, Branson. Uh, so Daniels is played by Catherine Waterston. Um, very talented. Uh, 
she we would know from Inherent Vice is a big one. I was introduced to her in the movie The Babysitters about little babysitter prostitutes. That I wow, <laughs> there was a weird movie that I definitely watched on Cinemax with my old roommate <laughs> Ross when we were like twenty four. Um, and it was, you know, uh, titillating, uh, to say the least. I just remember that John Leguizamo plays one of the, you know, John's slash father of a child that she's babysitting. So, uh, that anyways. reminds me when I watched, uh, I rewatched Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead Fantastic. recently. I think we talked, we talked about it on the podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Burns in my mind because I had a crush on uh, Christina Applegate from sure. Married with Children. And don't tell mom. Right? Uh, is she? Do you remember this mo- movie she did called Streets, where she plays a a, pros- uh, a sex worker on the street? No. Yeah, I tried to find it. I remembered it while I was watching it, and it was like I think there's brief nudity in it. I don't know if it's with her or not, but it was like okay. on HBO, oh, and wow. I remember like breathlessly waiting for it to come on, <laughs> and I never wow. saw it. And I was like, oh, I gotta fucking see it. So I gotta track that down. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll watch it together. Yeah, uh, <laughs> with a screen in between us. <laughs> nice. Uh, play Ookie okay, iMac. Um, <laughs> so Walter checks in on Daniels, then Branson, played by the one, the only James Franco. Um, yeah, I was. I didn't realize that until they, they like later when they watched the video of him. Yeah, yeah. Well, understandable. He doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. Um, probably for the best. Uh, Walter goes to check on the embryos in storage. Oops, one of them went bad. We got to take it out and toss it. Uh, it is a cool kind of setup they have. Reminds me a little bit of, like, you know, in Jurassic Park, like the cryo storage of egg embryos and all that stuff. But yeah, it's like it's like a big drawer. Like, open the drawer, and there's just like a hundred embryos in it. You haven't gotten to it yet, but there also in there are the colonists hanging from in pods, which right. reminded me of the doors in Monsters Inc. <laughs> yeah, because they hang, <laughs> and they kind of swing in the air like that. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? Bringing up those pods, I'm glad you did. It's one of a handful of pieces of tech in this movie that I got to look at, and I just got to go. I think there's a better way to do that. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, they, they seem a little too loosey goosey up there. <laughs> yeah. Just like swinging around. First time the ship rocks, a bunch of them fall down. It's like, seems like a bit of a design flaw. Yeah. Maybe we don't hang them in the air. Maybe (laughs) we just like stack them up. 30 feet up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of the ship rocking, uh, mother comes over the intercom. uh, Walter, we have a problem. What? Mother. No, no. Speaking of the ship rocking, mother comes a (laughs) knocking. Mother, please don't come and knock in, right? <laughs> she did anyways. My mom my mom listens to this <laughs> podcast. I don't feel like I can tell this story. Uh, I'll just tell the very shortest version of it, because she knows this. She definitely interrupted the time I was about to lose my virginity, uh, and uh, then I didn't lose my virginity for another year and a half. I was saying, um, then you never did. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for that wedding day. Um yeah. In a way, she saved your life. That's true. Uh, Walter, we have a problem. A neutrino burst is headed for the ship. It's some sort of space jargon. Don't worry about it. Uh, Things go south really fast. Uh, The ship is shuddering. The sun sail sail shreds. 
while Sally sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> um, the computer initiates an emergency crew revival, so everyone's waking up. Amy Simetz is puking into her little box of, you know, yeah. her puke box. You know, her puke, her puke box. All, everybody's given a puke box, just in case. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, Franco, his cryo chamber doesn't open. Starts smoking. Everybody's trying real hard to get him out of there. Uh, it's a very emotional moment. We learn pretty quickly that Daniels and Franco, Daniels and, sorry, uh, what's his name? Branson. Uh, clearly there's a, an emotional attachment there, an intimate relationship perhaps, as she yeah. wails and rends her garments and beats her chest as he literally starts on fire inside yeah. his cryo chamber and burns alive. Burns alive. Uh, major design flaw number two. It seems like that shouldn't be something that could happen. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's 21 what? It's like 2103 or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like maybe we make cryo chambers that don't incinerate the people inside them. <laughs> Just to say, why don't we make the whole plane out of the black box? <laughs> uh, so Branson is dead. Uh, we get an emotional scene of Daniels going through all of his stuff. She grabs a big nail and turns it into a necklace. And my first question was, is this like a Jesus thing? I mean, knowing this movie, yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Just checking. Um, she watches an iPad video of him mountain climbing. It's obnoxious. Uh, yeah, it's, it's also the prequel to uh, 20, 127 Hours or whatever the movie is. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the sequel? It's a, uh, yeah, you're right. He didn't see his hand, so maybe he doesn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just he's hanging loose. Um, so Billy Crudup, uh, Orem, Captain Orem now. Uh, we find out Branson was the captain. Um, obviously, no more. So Crudup's got to take over, and he's clearly very nervous. He tries to give a little bit of an inspirational speech and really kind of bungles his way through it. Yeah, he does a good job. I liked him in this scene. He like really comes across that he's a weak leader. Yes. I mean, Billy Crudup is undeniably a very talented actor. Uh, has he been canceled? I'm not clear on this. Has he? <laughs> I'm not sure. I know he just got replaced in the Flash movie, but maybe that was just a scheduling conflict thing. Oh, I don't know. I I'd never I heard anything. I think, if my memory serves me right, he was just a really shitty husband to... Um, What's her name? Weeds lady. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Like um, she, like he, he cheated on her and left her, but you know, human beings. Huh. Um, yeah. Anyways, we like Billy Crudup as an actor. Uh, yeah, he's great in this. And I agree that he plays this part very well. And I'm going to go ahead and say that 75% of the time, I think these characters are sketched better than Prometheus. And I think that the acting is better by and large. Yeah, uh, I definitely think they're sketched better, although more so with the mains than with the like the little side, you know, mm -hmm. supporting guys who are just like along to get killed. Right. But do you like the supporting guys in Prometheus? Uh, yeah, no, actually, no, I don't specifically yeah. don't like them. Yeah, like I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying I think it's an improvement over the last the last. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're um, not hateable. They don't make stupid stupid decisions two of them do but they happen so fast and they're like they're like star trek red shirts they're just like random dudes so it's like yeah. i can't i care a lot less 
we'll get there soon enough. Um, so yeah, Orem's nervously addressing the crew. He acknowledges that we've suffered a monumental tragedy. They lost 47 colonists, 16 embryos, and of course, one crew member. Uh, the ship's all right. It's still functioning, but many of the systems are offline. And as a result, it is crucial that they are not going to pause for a funeral. They need to rush ahead on repairing the ship. Uh, Danny McBride, we get our first real introduction to. He's playing a character called Tennessee. Uh, he, he lodges his disagreement. He wants to obviously, you know, take a moment of silence or something to acknowledge the captain who is yeah. now dead. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> Orem's not having it. He feels it's very important that they move on. Uh, Daniel's uh, Danny, as she's generally referred to, she shows up late, pretends everything is fine. Pretty clearly it's not. Um, she volunteers to go with Walter to the terraforming bay uh-huh. uh, where they need to fix some tension issues with some big ass chains. Um, kind of a, a scene setting perhaps maybe who knows we'll come back to the terraforming bay at some point we need to nope, get introduced I doubt it. to it you don't think so Nah, i don't think so All right, fair obviously enough. you weren't paying attention you're right i mean i was taking notes so <laughs> I, I couldn't watch the movie um so you know we get a little bit of exposition a little background on her and her relationship with the now deceased captain jake uh it was his idea to come on this trip he had this dream of them being pioneers living in a cabin on a lake. And she doesn't even know why she would bother with this fantasy now. Well, Walter posits, well, because you promised to build a log cabin on a lake. Yeah. That's my, that's my impression of his shitty American <laughs> accent. It's sort of uh, a John Wayne kind of thing. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in our next scene, we have the crew pretty much minus Orem and, and the woman we're going to find out pretty soon is his wife. Uh, they do a shot of whiskey in Captain Jake's honor, and then they launch him out into space, you know, the classic s- naval space burial. Yeah. Orm was watching this on a surveillance camera in the cockpit, and he's, he, cockpit, he's pissed off. <laughs> they're, di- they're disobeying direct orders. Yeah, he's, uh, he's really pissy about it. Uh, he's convinced that they don't trust him because he's a man of faith. He, he thinks that in this day and age that uh, someone who believes in, in God can't be taken seriously. Interesting thing to come out of his character mm. because I don't think it ever pays off, does it? I think very subtly it actually plays into his final scenes. I think I think he goes on a bit of a journey. I, okay. I think and I, I appreciate it because it I feel like a lot of things in Prometheus get hit on the head pretty hard. And I actually think his little journey is very subtle. It's kinda of, it's almost easy to miss. Um but we can talk yeah, about even that the a little first bit later. time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, also I think that uh, a lot of my appreciation of that is like in increasing with each viewing. Like like again, he's a character that I maybe was like so-so on the first time I saw it and then this time through I was like I like what they did with him. Yeah. Um his wife tries to talk some sense into him because it is truly insane that he's upset with the crew. It is tr- it is absolutely insane. Doing a shot and having a 3 minute funeral for their captain and one of their husbands. Yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, just and she tells him she's like you need to step lightly. Like you need to chill the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we get a little spacewalk action. McBride and some rando are fixing the solar sails. Uh they get the power running again. 
And as uh, Tennessee is on his way back to the ship, he gets like a crazy signal in his helmet. Um, and it's an interesting conceit because it doesn't go to the ship. It only goes to his, to him. Like it's literally in his helmet. Yeah. Like when a guitar amp just suddenly picks up a radio station. Or yeah, it really is. Yeah. And, and maybe not coincidentally because in a second we are going to have a little guitar. Um, or not real guitar, but you know, like in, in spirit. Um, Walter fills him in it's a rogue transmission and it probably got into his head because he was outside the ship and so the sort of interference from all the gadgets and whatnot on the ship maybe would have blocked it otherwise so they fiddle with a bunch of knobs and shit until they kind of can catch some audio Um, and Tennessee figures out perhaps a little too easily if you ask me that it is uh, Country Roads Take Me Home by John Denver yeah so I want to talk about that Okay. Because it sort of drove me crazy that <clears throat> at this point in time, this song is 70, 80 years old. Wouldn't it be? Oh, no. The song is probably 100 and almost 140 years old. Oh, now, sorry. So. Yes. I, miss, I missed yeah. a, a, a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know? No, that's just strains credibility that it wouldn't. It's just like, oh, yeah, John Denver, the right. guy who existed 150 years ago. Yeah. This one song similar to the uh, the squeeze box from <laughs> Nash, Stills. right? Stephen Stills or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least in this movie, he has a cowboy hat on. That's true. So, so he's the guy who would know. Right. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, I think you're right. It could stretch the imagination, although I will say that part of me hopes that in 140 years, people are familiar with some of the great classic rock hits of the 70s. You know, hey, we'll wait and see. We'll both be alive. That's right. We will never die. Here at (laughs) Killstreak, we will never die. We are headed to find the engineers, and we're going to make them like us, we swear. We're going to force them to listen to all of the episodes of this podcast in a row, and then surely they will give us eternal life. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, so, yeah, it's a woman seemingly singing John Denver, and they manage to lock in on the coordinates. They find it on the solar map, or the star map, or whatever, and it turns out that uh, one of the planets orbiting this sun is completely habitable. In fact, it goes beyond the most optimistic habitability projections for Oregai 6, which is their current destination. And here's the kicker. It's only a few weeks away versus another seven years seven in years, cryosleep yeah. to get to Oregai 6, right? So Captain Orem understandably says, well, we're going to go there and check it out. Um, Daniels wants to talk to him privately and she raises a lot of concern. She thinks it is a monumental risk. She thinks it is too good to be true. And I got to say, I mean, I know what's going to happen, but I think that she's overdoing it a little bit. I think so too. It seems completely reasonable. It seems very reasonable to at the very least check it out. If it's a couple weeks away, right? Right. Right. Now, do I agree with how they checked it out? Not entirely. I think I would have been a little bit more cautious on my, you know, maiden yeah. voyage. <laughs> yeah. Is can we skip there? Is there something else anything else you want to talk about before we get to the planet? Um, not much. I mean, let's see. Uh, they have a little argument. I mean, it's an important like to show this sort of standoff. Uh so there's a little friction between them now. And then, yeah, Amy Simetz 
takes the lander, which is a smaller ship, down from the main ship. So we've got Tennessee still up in the mothership, and then Amy Simons is the is the pilot who takes them down. She lands husband them. and wife, by the way. They, husband and wife. Husband that's and right. Wife. Yeah, her name uh, is something or other. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I, what I wanted to say because you brought it up was that like when they approach the planet, there mm. are several hurricanes happening or like gigantic <laughs> yeah. storms, ion storms. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think they've already been in hypersleep for however long. Years, it took them yeah. four weeks, seven weeks, really, to get there. Yeah, wait another day or two. Like, like <laughs> right? Yeah, it seems Let's, so risky. We could take a week to see how the weather patterns here work before we decide to go down. Yeah, and I exactly. mean, I will say this: like, there is maybe for the two of us a little bit of an element of having our cake and eating it too. Where I think that these questions are ones that you could probably raise about the classics that we love too. And for, for some oh, reason, absolutely. I do think we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we view this through a different lens and I'm, you know, I'm not entirely sure why probably because we're adults, but. Uh, well, I also think when you're watching a movie for a podcast, you tend to pick on little things. more. Right. Right. But you know, they get off uh, their little lander ship. They've, you know, they've landed in a couple inches of water. Uh, everybody gets a gun and then they're, they're on their way. Not a helmet in sight. Um, so we have the same problem as Prometheus. Well, the air is breathable, so no helmets, everybody. Just take them off. We're going raw dog. Right. <laughs> and like, uh, yeah, go, go ahead, please. Oh, see, Amy Simons plays uh, Ferris is her name. Ferris, yes. Ferris in Tennessee, a married couple. So yeah, because this is, a, and this is something worth pointing out, which I think is a cool narrative conceit. Because this is a colonization journey, right? All of these crew members are in couples, right? Right. Uh, it's yeah, it's husbands and wives. I think mostly, maybe you know, we don't we don't get a pair for everybody, but that seems to be the general gist of things with the crew. Yeah, like um, Callie Hernandez and Jesse Smollett are are uh, partners, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there are two guys who are on on planet that are partners. Um, yep. You all right? Can, can you see my red eyes? On the camera? No, but I can see you uh, <laughs> rocking back and forth in your chair. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to sneeze slash not sneeze. My <laughs> eyes are dripping and my nose is t- itching. What is happening? It's with... it's my basin, man. I think I just got a dust or something. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Make sure you don't have black mold down there. Ooh. You probably don't. I don't think that's what happens with black mold. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah, and then so another character who's going to be important soon, uh, I've mentioned before, the captain's wife, Kareen. Um, so, you know, most of our crew, with the exception of Callie Hernandez, Jesse Smollett, and Danny McBride, they are all down on the surface. Those three are still up in the mothership. Yes. So the away team, you know, to borrow some parlance from Star Trek, heads out to see what the fuck's going on. And. Right off the bat, this planet is really looking too good to be true. There is cultivated wheat, right? There is yep. wheat growing, and then they sort of... Uh, so we got this guy. Uh, it's the guy from Weeds. Um, Lope? Uh, his name is... is yeah, name Lope, Lope, played by Demion Bashir, uh, who I like. I've seen him. He's in a lot of stuff, not just Weeds. I always like him when he pops up. He's sort uh, of a... Um... Oh, I always get my Germit Mulrooney and my 
Dylan McDermott. Yeah, I think it's Dermot Mulrooney. He's a Dermot Mulrooney Mulrooney type. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's got any use for Dylan McDermott. No. (laughs) (laughs) That guy. That guy disappeared after the practice. He was just a pretty boy. Dermot Mulrooney. Also, my uncle's college roommate. Really? Yeah. Uh Nice. When I got to L.A., he was always like, "I should, I should set you up with Dermot. You guys should have lunch." And I'd be like. I guess. I don't know. What am I going to do? Be like, hey, uh, can you put me in a thing that you're in? Is that how that works? <laughs> no. Can I direct one of your shows? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, still haven't met him. Um, but yeah, so Demi Bashir, uh Lope finds wheat. And, you know, we get he's the military guy, right? He's kind of like the security head, essentially. Um, so, uh, what was Amy Simons' character's name again? Uh, Ferris. Ferris. Yeah. So Ferris is dicking around on the ship trying to get their signal boosted because this ion storm is screwing up their communications with the mothership. It's constantly breaking up. And, you know, this is setting up some real classic horror tropes, right? And I'm going to say, like, these are things that I like, like, and you talked about this, how they kind of changed the DNA, like the structure of this movie is much more of a horror movie. Uh huh. Right. And I'm into it. And this is that sort of thing where it's like, yeah, this, it's, it's, it's almost like in a, in a current day horror movie where it's like, oh yeah, we don't get any cell service out here, which yeah. will explain yeah. why the cops aren't here. Right. Yeah. You know? So the I'm storms. I, I always like that. Yeah, it's like cheesy, but like also, I don't, I don't want phones involved. I don't want communication. No. I want to. Yeah, I don't want to watch Cell. I want you know watch a movie <laughs> where people get stabbed. Um, stabbing. Uh, anyways, um, but 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 Kareen, the captain's wife, and another soldier break away from the away team so she can do some sciency stuff. Who knows? It's not important. Um, then Lope sees the tracks of a huge ship, presumably. we can guess, that have cut off the tops of the trees in the forest. So they kind of head in the direction that trail seems to be leading. Uh, And as they're walking, Danny, she she says, hey, you guys hear that? Nothing. And they go, what? Hear what? Nothing. No birds, no animals, nothing. Mm -hmm. Right? Which is confusing because I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can hear, like, the vague sounds of nature. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some sound (laughs) designer couldn't help himself. Yeah, exactly. The sound designer was like, well, you can't hear like a bird squawking, but it's like, well, you still hear like the sounds of the forest. Right. Um, But anyways, we're supposed to know that there's nothing making any noise. So back with Kareen and the soldier, he steps away to take a piss, but really he wants to rip a J. Yeah. Um, Another same same as uh, the dude who gets this. Fifield. Yeah. Fifield. Yeah. Yeah. Ripping a J. (laughs) No, things the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Um, and uh, he's walking around and uh, he steps on uh, it's a spore, right? A I spore, mean, is that, yeah, that's what we would call them, yeah. Um, and immediately we can see some stuff goes up into the air, yeah, it's like some he, black dust that like, yeah, floats around, yeah, floating black dust. He blows some smoke rings and you can see them kind of react to it, and then. They start to move sort of in sync and you got this kind of nanobot vibe, right? So, yeah. you know, similar, it's, you know, it seems like uh, an educated viewer might make the leap. Oh, the black goo from Prometheus yeah. is now in some sort of airborne form, perhaps, right? 
Uh, back with the away team, rain starts pouring down. They discover the crashed engineer ship from Prometheus, right? Mm-hmm. Presumably the one that Shaw and David arrived here in. Uh, they head inside. A dude with a beard finds some more spores and does the only logical thing. He puts his face in front of them and pokes one. Um, <laughs> and this is the thing. It's like, this pisses me off in the same way that a lot of Prometheus stuff did. But it's much more contained. And yes. they're kind of randos. So it's like, it still pisses me off, but it doesn't quite derail the whole movie for me. I agree. It, it's not did. as egregious. It's like, it's yeah. not a biologist and a geo- like a right. guy who made a map. Yeah. Uh, or has the mapping technology getting lost. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I mean, did, sorry, oh, sorry. Did, did we skip, uh, did the ear shot? I thought they going in the spores oh, yeah. going into the ear looks pretty cool. Yes, like, definitely. You like follow it into his inner ear. And like yeah, we get the into inside skin. ear canal, and they yeah, they dig down in, and he's just got like a little itch in his ear, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a nice touch. Um, it's scary too. It is. Well, it's fuck, especially in the in COVID times. This scared me even back then, but now that we're all worried about airborne viruses, it's like, well, if that ever happens, everyone is fucked. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, I will say that that is maybe another shortcoming of this movie that after this encounter. That, like, we don't deal with this stuff ever again. That's very true. Yeah, we never hear of the spores again. Yeah, because as scary as all of the neomorphs and the xenomorphs are, it's like, on an existential level, nothing is more terrifying than this shit. Yeah. You know, but anyways, um, the bearded guy gets a, huffs a whole face full of more nanomonsters. Um, We cut back, and a quality... Uh, a, a credit to this movie, something I really want to call out, is like immediately the stoner grunt is already losing it. Like, yeah. you know, it's been 45 seconds and he is sweaty and stumbling and it's just like, yeah, man, we know what's happening. Get us it to ha- the point. It happens fast. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, we, this is, yeah, this is alien movie number six. We don't need, you know, hand holding through this process. Um, So... Uh, back on the ship, Danny uh, and uh, Orem, I think they're with Lope, too. They find some engineers. They talk about how big they are. Yeah. Danny finds Shaw's dog tag hanging from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And and everybody knows who she is. It's kind of like an Amelia Earhart type of situation, right? They're like, the yeah, lone she's survivor been... of the Prometheus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which makes sense. You know, it's a big... Uh, a big thing, and, and presumably she did send that message back at the end of Prometheus. So if that made it to Earth, then yeah, everybody's like, oh, that crazy missing lady, right? Um, Orem's dicking around inside the cockpit, you know, and he starts up the hologram just like we had in Prometheus. We get to see Shaw sitting in the captain's chair, and she's singing that John Denver. Now we know where that transmission came from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then we get an update that uh, the stoner, whose name I guess is Ledward, I wrote down here, um, he's very sick. Everybody has to run back to the ship. So everybody's kind of hauling ass to get back. Uh, the other dude, the bearded guy is also doing really bad. Yeah. He starts um, getting sick. Yeah. And again, I love the, I love the raid it's going at. So Ledward and Kareen get back to the ship. Um, and Ferris, uh, you know, who's the one who stayed behind as the pilot She's already freaking out and starting to think about, like, the sort of quarantine implications of what's going on. Yeah. 
Um, she does not have a very cool head during th- throughout. All no, this. she does not. No, she. But I mean, yeah, she. She does embody a an exaggerated but somewhat believable kind of panic in a situation like this. Oh, know? sure, yeah. Especially if you're just a pilot, if you're not like equipped to do all this stuff, it's like, hey, I just fly the plane, you know that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but she freaks the fuck out. Uh, Ledward pukes a bunch of blood on Kareen's face. That's um, gross. It's super gross. Uh, everybody makes it back into the med bay on the ship, and the guy immediately starts just like spasming. He's having seizures. Some spines like burst out of his back. Uh, yeah yeah what do you think about this stuff it's cool and i think even before that like he starts like squirting blood out of like pores in his back it's gross yeah it sprays all over uh ferris's face and that's when she like really loses it like just she kind of disassociates almost so she bails on the med bay and actually locks kareen and ledward in there um and you know she goes to try to radio the ship but obviously they're having communications problems uh, she makes her way back to the window and there's like a little bit of that classic back and forth with Kareen and Ferris through the window. Like let Kareen's like, yeah. let me the fuck out. And, and the funny thing is Ferris is going on and on about quarantine and you're like, well, you, you are clearly just as exposed as she you just is. got blood sprayed in your face. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely just a little bit of cowardice, uh, motivating all of this, but you know, uh, so at this point now, we start to see something is, like, really going nuts in Ledward's back. And finally, he goes into full-on backburst, as I wrote in my notes. Yeah, he's a, uh, we got a backburster. A backburster. Our first one of the series. Uh, the CGI is gruesome, but again, I do have a note where it's just, like, I don't think any of this is practical. I think it is entirely no, CGI. I think it looks really good until mm-hmm. the the neomorph comes mm-hmm. out of it. But I think the initial like bursting and all that shit looks pretty cool. Yeah. The stuff coming out of his back, but then yeah, he basically just bursts fully open and sort of more similar to what we see from the introduction of the squid than like what we're used to with chest bursters is there's kind of like a sack yeah. that it sort of all comes out and it's connected to some kind of umbilical cord almost. Cord. And then it, the, you know, the neomorph, baby slides out kareen is watching all of this just utterly horrified um i wrote it looks kind of like a ghoulie (laughs) (laughs) yeah once it starts moving i do not like the look of this thing no it's not super it just doesn't feel real it feels very artificial it feels weightless yeah so ferris has like a little bit of a you know conscience comes back she runs she gets a shotgun um, she comes storming back to the med bay and just fucks up in the most epic ways possible. Um, she w- immediately wipes out in a pile of blood. A blood, yeah, yeah. Shoots the ceiling the whole time. The little ghoulie has is jumped onto Kareen and is just like going after. Yeah, her, it's just like, like slashing at her. Blood's yeah. flying everywhere. She's thrashing. Yeah. It's a it's a total shit show. Uh, then the neomorph. Uh, while Ferris is down. Uh, she kind of scrambles her way out to the door, gets her foot stuck in the door. Then the neomorph comes to her. She gets the door shut just in the nick of time, runs off. But then the thing just busts right through the window and it's loose uh-huh. on the ship. Uh, then I wrote, 
there's essentially a Yosemite Sam style shootout where she just <laughs> fires like 40 rounds and never comes close to hitting it yeah. as it runs all over the cargo bay of the ship. And then with her, you know, 41st miss, she hits something extremely flammable and just blows up the entire fucking Whole ship. ship. Blows the fuck up. Yes. You see her like stumbling out on fire. Oh, That's, yeah. Which is pretty gruesome. It yeah. is super gruesome. And the ship blows up just in time for the away team to make it back. Yeah. As Orem can, you know, she he can't see his wife, but he knows that she is burning to death inside the ship. Although, uh, you know, she might have already been dead from her neomorph wounds. Who knows? Oh, also, um, we should point out uh, Danny McBride, Tennessee, is married to Ferris. And he, yeah. this whole time, he's like trying to communicate with them can't get through only getting a little snatches that something's yeah. wrong and he's losing his cool too he's yeah. losing his cool yeah so Orem wants to go running into the flames because that's what every uh character whose loved one dies in a fire in a movie does yeah it's like what i don't think any real person would do because if you've ever gotten close to like a hot building it's like it's like the most repulsive like literally yeah. repulsive thing like you just yes. you can't physically can't do it yeah um, so Danny kind of holds him back and the pace now is at a breakneck speed. And I will say that I think that this section is maybe the most satisfying of the whole. That's movie. what I'm saying, man. The first hour of this movie is pretty fucking cool. I was like, holy yeah. shit, this might be an all timer. Right. Yeah. Cause as this is all going down and Danny's pinning Orm to the ground to keep him from killing himself, the fucking other dude, uh, um, gives instead of back birth now he's given mouth birth yeah to... he just bursts out of his mouth it's horrifying yeah. yeah and uh and this time the neomorph comes out of his mouth and just immediately runs off into the wheat fields and disappears um so we get another check-in with tennessee back up on the uh on the ship and i skipped over my note <laughs> earlier on when when things were still okay where tennessee calls callie hernandez's character sweet tits yeah and <laughs> And then and then Ferris calls him sugar dick, which <laughs> was kind of fun. I sort of enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> just wanted to make sure I didn't overlook that. Um, Duly so, noted, you creep. Yeah, well, I am who I am. Uh, Tennessee wants to go back down for them. Uh, but Callie Hernandez, you know, is basically like, no, we got to follow protocol it's not a good idea the storm we gotta yeah, wait the storm's like raging or ramping yeah. up and at this point they don't know anybody's dead they're he's just nervous because he can't get in contact with his wife but she was freaking out something was wrong he knows they know something is going on but yeah. the the details are very sketchy right um so all of a sudden it's nighttime everybody's got their laser sights and their guns and they're looking out for the thing that came flying out of that dude's mouth um and all of a sudden, it comes at Daniels out of the grass. Um, Walter jumps in and saves her at the last second. And as a reward, he gets his hand bitten off by a neomorph. Uh-huh. Uh, then one of my favorite, most violent things in this whole movie is it whips its tail around and rips a dude's jaw clean off. Yeah. Yep. That yeah, was really, pretty that's sweet. Guy gets popped in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um so everybody starts shooting up uh, the Neomorph and, you know, they get that one down. Everybody's like, what the fuck was that? What is going on? And then all of a sudden there's another one. 
And I do have some questions about where did this other one come from? And are, sure. Are like we supposed to believe that there's like us like a population of these things? Yeah, they just are they just on the planet? Yeah. Or, yeah. It's, so it's I don't question. know. Yeah, never really gets answered. It doesn't bother me too much, but it does raise some questions, right? Um, so there's another one, and for some reason they're really all about Daniels. So this one jumps on Daniels too, and it looks like she's really fucked until a little Deus Ex Machina action. A huge flashbang flare goes off in the sky, uh, and it's a uh, it's a guy in a wizard's robe. Yeah, um, and he chases off the neomorphs with his flare, and then he says, "Follow me." And so they do, right? Yeah, what else are you going to do? Um, they head to an area. We get some crazy pillars. It's like a wall of pillars. Yeah, it all, like not making a joke, it looks like mm-hmm. Trump's wall. You're right, <laughs> it does. Yeah, and they all kind of slip through it, and I'm like, yeah, good thing there aren't any fat people on the crew, or else... Uh, <laughs> Nobody can get through, yeah. Yeah, and then, I, and then that I thought is like, okay, so was that supposed to keep engineers out because they're bigger than people and they can't fit through there? I just don't. I truly don't know. Um, and we're also walking by a bunch of corpses, too. Am I, or is that later? That's They go through the pillars and we come on to essentially like a giant open square that is just filled with charred corpses. Uh, definitely got some like Pompeii, Mount Vesuvius kind of vibes. Like it's all these yeah. people frozen in place and literally and I, thousands. I thought it was xenomorphs was when I first saw it. Okay. Of course, we get the explanation later. But right. my when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's a bunch of xenomorphs that this guy, because uh, maybe I missed what you just said. Did we reveal who it is yet? No, not yet. Okay. And people know. I mean, anybody who's listening to the podcast knows. I, I thought it was like, oh, wh- whoever this guy is, he's a total badass. And he <laughs> killed yeah. all these xenomorphs. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So they follow this mysterious Gandalf character into a giant structure in the center of this plaza, and it is. Uh, oh, do you want? Uh, do you want to say? You don't have to. Guy Pierce's character. Wait, I actually missed it. <laughs> it's David. It's David. Of course it is. And I'll be honest. I think the first time I saw this, little bit of a disappointment. I was like, maybe it could be like a cool surprise or something. And then it's like, no, it's the person you would expect. Yeah. Right. It's the other on. It's like one of the two unaccounted for people. But I mean, I guess the idea is maybe, and, I, and let me ask you this: as you were watching it, not knowing, were did you humor the idea that it might be Shaw? Yes. Well, okay. I thought I saw a beard actually in the first mm-hmm. time you see the thing, the person. Yeah. Um, I thought I saw a beard, which actually I did not see because no, he doesn't, he doesn't have, a have a beard. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really think about it being Shaw. I thought it'd be like a, another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just David. Um, and he is a little bit worse for wear. <laughs> he, where do you does... think he got a body? Where? Wh- oh, that's a good question. Well, he says offhand that Shaw like repaired him. Oh, I miss that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's your whole explanation. Just like, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Don't look. We found bus, some right? other parts. In yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, so David tells them they're safe from the creatures and all the shit where they are now. And, he gives them a little backstory. They landed here 10 years ago. Uh, the ship had a deadly weapon on it, a virus. The payload accidentally deployed when they were landing, and Elizabeth died in the crash. And out there in the plaza, they've seen the results of what the pathogen did. Right. And he has long, shitty hair now. Um, and he's definitely acting like a little bit of a Robinson Crusoe kind of crazy marooned type. Right. 
He describes yeah. himself as having been marooned, I believe. Um, you know, he's a fan of these literary references and such. We get a little bit more information about the pathogen and this stuff. This is part of the stuff that I think really benefits from watching this right after Prometheus is it's like some things actually make some more sense now. The, the pathogen is designed to destroy all non-botanical life forms and uh-huh. it will either kill them outright or use them as incubators, right? So even though there's that's not necessarily totally logical, it is a sort of backfill that kind of explains why people are dying in different weird ways right in the for, in Prometheus, right? Oops, something happened. I just said right and then Oh, I I I <laughs> I said yeah. Okay. You looked like you had something to say. You were like loaded in that posture. No, sorry. I I'm trying to not drip snot. You're a mess. I am. <laughs> You're an absolute mess. Uh, I'm not cutting. We're leaving this in. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so uh, Orem, you know, clarifies, well, whatever happens, we can't bring this pathogen back with us. This is a colony mission. David asks, how many colonists? Uh, 2,000. Well, well, well. So many good souls, he yeah. says. You and immediately it's... don't trust David, too. Oh, I mean, my God. A, you don't, tr- yeah. you don't trust him because of the last movie, but you, he's sort of like, well, I don't know, maybe, but... As soon as he, he was like, oh, souls, yeah. uh, people, you say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, David's bad again. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's painfully clear what's going on. He refers to his home as a dire necropolis, which I thought was a very cool description. Yeah. Um, And then he takes a second to welcome Walter. He says, welcome, brother. Welcome, brother. And then uh, Walter and Danny have a quick little talk and. You know, she's immediately sketched out by David, understandably. And he's like, Walter's like, I'm going to talk to him brother to brother. Um, So we got some guys outside trying to contact the mothership, but just no dice. The storm's blocking all communications. David tells him it could last for days, but best of luck. Right. Uh, So meanwhile, up in the air in space, uh, Tennessee wants to get really close to the storm. Callie Hernandez does not. It's a whole protocol fight. Nothing happens yet. We'll be back there soon. Um, back down on the planet, David singing to himself like a total psycho and giving <laughs> himself a haircut. Here With is my yeah. So I don't know if you had anything on this. I don't mean to steal your thunder, um, but I I was very curious. I just wanted to know what song he was singing. So I did a little research on this. Do you did you, did you see anything about this? No. I uncovered a treasure trove for myself of interesting information that made both of these movies better immediately. Really? Yeah. So David is singing a song from the movie Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, sure. Okay. I didn't know this, but that makes sense. It is a song that Lawrence sings after wandering through the desert for days on the verge of death. And then he is discovered... And brought back to a different civilization, right? Oh. And then on top of that, reading this note, and I'm, I'm not going to claim credit for figuring this out on my own, because I did not, because it was in this same piece of trivia. When he is bleaching his roots in Prometheus, he's bleaching his hair to look like Peter O'Toole in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, you didn't get that? No, I didn't get that. Oh, because he's all. like watching the movie when he's doing yeah. it, or after, shortly after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't put two and two together. So it's like, yeah, 
so he fancies himself Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Right. Which I didn't understand. And also, I should probably watch the movie. I, so I, yeah, I really want to watch it. More. Yeah, yeah. And then I bet there's even more to it than, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so Walter shows up in the middle of all of this, sees all of his, I wrote drawings. Like, like, drawings. Like, what is that? Saturday Night Live with Mike Myers? It's the kid <laughs> in the bathtub. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, so he's got a bunch of drawings and flutes. Um, so, yeah, David gives Walter, like, a weirdly steamy flute lesson. Um, he does. Yeah, it is rife with sexuality. Yeah, there's a lot of sexual tension. I wanted to call out that this is a shot where the camera sort of uh, on an arc tracks back and forth between their two faces in a continuous shot. Uh huh. And this is seamless, like because it is obviously Fassbender playing both of them. And however they did end up doing it, it's like perfect. Looks great. Uh, yeah. Um, so they have a little exchange, you know, uh, Walter says, you weren't surprised to see me. And David responds, every mission needs a good synthetic. I was with our illustrious creator, Mr. Wayland, when he died. And Walter asked, what was he like? He was human, entirely unworthy of his creation. I pitied him at the end. And then all of a sudden, Walter is really ripping on the flute. He picked up fast in his lesson. Uh, and David remarks, you have symphonies in you, brother, but you're not even you're not allowed to create not even a simple tune. And Walter shoots back, you disturbed people too idiosyncratic too human thinking for yourself made people uncomfortable. So they made the following models with fewer complications. Well, you really get this set up the difference in the dynamics between Walter and David, right? David wants to show Walter something, so they go on a little trip. Um, so meanwhile, we've got Captain Orem and Danny. They're both being sad by a fire because their spouses are dead. Um, Orem tells Danny she was right. They never should have come to this planet. And then he's being a real sad sack, so she has to give him like a real serious pep talk, right? Right. And she ends that with telling him, "We need your faith, Captain." So this is what I so th- this the journey that he goes on. This is his crisis of faith, right? He's lost his faith at this point in the movie, right? You're yeah. right, and and so, but it's going to swing back again, and that's to me that's the part that's sort of rewarding. So he's set up as this devout man of faith, and then his faith is shaken by the death of his wife and and all of his crew members, but then he's going to come back around again in, in a little bit. Um, so we're back with David and Walter. They're outside, and David, not at all ominously, quotes Ozymandias uh, as he looks <laughs> at the thousands of corpses. It's not says, heavy-handed at all. No. He says, look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Like, literally, look at my works, look at what I did, <laughs> and yeah. despair. Right? It's pretty. It's really, he's telegraphing about as hard as you possibly can. And this it, is deliberate, right? Like It is. Ridley but Scott. I was say this. This is like what I was kind of talking about. Where mm. this is where it starts to lose, me. not lose me, but uh-huh. I like the first ha- first hour so much. First half, yeah. really. Um, that when it starts getting dipping back into like the big questions of Prometheus, sure. Is I'm like, okay, we kind of went over this before. I mean, I'll agree with. Uh, I'll say this. I think it is a shortcoming of this movie that it is like tonally disjointed. Yeah, like. These are basically two different movies, like the first half and the second half. So, you know, 
take take do with that what you will. Um, here we get our big flashback, uh, and it happens really suddenly. It's kind of uh, for me. I remember the first time I saw it; it was jarring, like trying to figure out what the hell was it was, happening. It was so pretty confusing. Yeah. Um, so we get this ship arriving, right? Uh, which we learn pretty soon is David and Elizabeth's ship. Uh, and the square of the engineers is filled with thousands and thousands of people. And they're all really pumped that the ship is here. They're cheering and waving. And David pulls it into, like you mentioned, there's this big scorpion tail sort of dock. It's very cool looking. So he gets centered over the plaza, but then instead of docking, we see him standing inside essentially the bomb bay, right? Um, and he does, he uses the ship. He uses that, that store of ammunition that we see in Prometheus and the way that it's meant to be used. The vases all drop. And in this moment, we realize that they are bombs. Yeah. Um, which, again, retrofilling stuff in Prometheus where it's like, oh, now when he takes that thing apart and there's all this different shit in there, you're like, oh, this is what they do. You drop them and then they explode and they atomize the liquid. Yes. Right? And I wrote, just like fucking VX gas missiles in the rock, I was right. <laughs> really was. You're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> they work exactly the same way. Did really, you want to Scott? bite those balls, too? Because I really wanted to bite the balls on the rock. Oh, God. So those much. green balls. Well, because the one guy gets to, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So we got a total massacre, truly a genocide. Everyone is immediately killed. And this is that sort of thing, again, that he's talking about where it's like, it's not always about the incubation. This is just death. It's just immediate death for everyone, right? Um, and uh, then he says the quote again, which is incredibly unnecessary, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then he acknowledges that it's, uh, that it's Byron and it's beautiful. Um, this will come back in a bit. Um, then we get a little tender moment where he shouts out to Shaw for putting him back together. This is where he mentions that. Uh, and we see that he made her a grave. He found a way to do like very professional engraving on, yeah. on a tombstone. <laughs> He's very good at it. He had a lot of time, yeah. I guess. He did. He had 10 years and he is an android. Uh, he says, I loved her, of course, much as you love Daniels. And Walter says, you know that's not possible. He says, really? Then why did you sacrifice your hand for her life? What is that if not love? Duty. I know better. And I agree with David. Uh, or I'm sorry, Walter. Where it's like, I'm a robot. It's my job to do that. Yeah. I sacrificed my hand because <laughs> I'm programmed to. Um, so right after this, we see a single Neomorph venturing out into the square, and then we get this sense that they sort of communicate like animals, right? Uh, uh -huh. There's like some clicking and whistling type stuff. And we see some others climbing in as well. So, And again, this is confusing to me because I feel like, do we ever see more than one of them in the complex? No, not that I'm aware of, no. I mean, yeah. If it is more than one, it's unclear. Yeah, I, was, I thought it was the same one. But in this shot, I think do are you, do you think we're seeing the same one just from two different angles? Um, I didn't notice it. I didn't recognize mm -hmm. it as being two. All right, I'd have to go back and look at the shot. Yeah, well, sound off. You know, let us know, folks. Um, so back inside the complex, uh, we have an anonymous female crew member who Rosenthal. Leaves, 
Rosenthal, thank you, leaves the group to go clean up her wounds. She hears something creeping around behind her. It's the Neomorph, and this time it's standing bolt upright with like its head pointed down. Uh huh. And it feels to me, and I want to know what you thought of it, like it's sort of deliberately trying to appear human. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly standing that way. Right. Um, and to me, this one looked more like the deacon from the end of yeah. Prometheus. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not, it has a different mouth, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. It's like, it's standing to like the, the point it has like a pointed head instead of right. like the banana shaped head of a xenomorph, but it's standing with that down, almost like a fish shark's fins mm-hmm. modeled it's, after a goblin you, shark. You could argue that his head is like a shark's fin. <laughs> Deepest, bluest. My hat is like a shark's fin. That's really where this song, this uh, that yeah. song, could have played at the end. Absolutely, that would have been amazing. <laughs> um. So yeah, it stands upright, looking very human for a second, and then it eats the shit out of her. Um. Yeah. Back Twist- outside. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Was it like rip her head off or something? Uh, or no, something. it just bites her. Bites into her. It bites, bites like into, into her, her neck. shoulder, neck area. You know, the yeah. worst place to get bitten. And it looks like um, a real CGI mess, in my opinion. It does. Everything with these neomorphs does, I think. Yeah. Um, back outside, communications are working again. So they they get to the ship that they need immediate evacuation. There were casualties. Um, mother won't let them get close enough to the storm, which Tennessee still wants to do. He needs to override mother's computer. And this time, for no real apparent reason... Uh, Callie Hernandez character decides, okay, I'll back him up on this uh, and help him override the computer. Doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but whatever. That's fine. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, Oh, yeah. Here I wrote, apparently, the dead lady's name was Rosenthal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Captain Orem goes to look for her, and he walks in. uh, Or Sorry, I should say David walks in on the Neomorph feeding on Rosenthal. Um, And right around the same time, Orem comes up behind and sees this happening and he gets his laser sight on the Neomorph and tells David to move. David immediately tells him, don't shoot. Well, Orem, understandably, does not listen and lights the thing up. Yes. Destroys it. David is furious. He screams. Screams. He says, it trusted me. And, you know, if, if he hadn't, fully revealed how fucking evil he was like to them this is the moment when it's like okay no one should trust this dude yeah he's right into these things is there his yeah he compares it to to a horse where you like breathe you breathe on a horse's nostrils and it's yours for life it's like i don't think that's necessarily (laughs) true um i gotta try that breathing on horse. yeah i was (laughs) (laughs) i'll try it with my dog later see what happens um, and this is where we get Orm finds his faith again because he realizes he's come face to face with the devil. And so he needs to stand up for what he believes in and stand up for the rest of his crew. And he says, David, I met the devil when I was a child and I've never forgotten him. So you are going to tell me exactly what is going on or I am going to seriously fuck up your perfect composure. <laughs> this is a great line and yeah. raises some really interesting questions which don't get answered and i don't mind which is wait what the fuck What's happened, it, what with happened Orem? To him? yeah yeah exactly i want to know but that's like that's the good kind of unanswered mystery i agree right? i agree yeah 
So, uh, David says, as you wish, Captain. And it is time for a very weird tour. Um, meanwhile, Danny's communicating with Tennessee on the ship. They need to use the cargo lifter because they can't bring the whole ship down to the surface. So they're going to modify it so it can fly down and pick them up. And here I wrote, uh, McBride has a line. I don't know if it can withstand the stresses that he just truly says like Kenny Powers and like takes me out of the movie. Uh, I don't know if it can withstand the stresses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't either. I didn't even try. Um, so they're going to give it a go. Fixins. Meanwhile, what? Sorry. I said fixins. <laughs> fixins. Yeah, I feel like I have to watch like five minutes of it and then I could do the voice maybe. Um, Tennessee wants to talk to his wife real fast. And, you know, it's a I'll say this. It's a good line delivery because he does it in that way where it's like he knows he might find out something bad, but he's yeah. like trying to stay optimistic. And he's like, hey, let me talk to, you know, my I forget what he calls her fucking sugar, sugar pussy or something. But, sugar pussy. <laughs> uh, and immediately Danny's like uh, switch to a private channel. Uh, he knows what's going to come down. She delivers the bad news. He yeah. cries copies it's a sad moment yeah he's he's a little bitch boy um (laughs) soak it up bitch boy uh so david has become an amateur zoologist and i wrote a note here that there's definitely like this streak of david sort of identifying with this very like 19th century british colonial kind of vibe you know between the lawrence of arabia stuff and the zoology stuff and just his mannerisms and it's I think it's pretty clearly informing his character, and it's something that I, I that I did find interesting. Um, so he gives all the background now. This is just, hey, you want to know what's been going on? I this will tell everything you I've been up to. Everything. The pathogen took many forms, and it was extremely mutable and fiendishly inventive. Uh, it originally atomized in the air, as we saw with the the Vaz bombs, and then he managed to. Uh, find that I think maybe on its own it was sort of turning into little parasites and then eventually we get all these little ghouly looking fuckers like kind of half neomorphs and it's you know it's again it's like that that little bestiary of yeah, creepy it's like, versions it's like bisected ba- mm-hmm. like xenomorph baby things creatures yeah. of all shapes and sizes yeah and we kind of walk through and we get toured through the evolution of them and we see it visually and I'm sure this was a very fun job for the uh for like the special effects department to put all this stuff together yeah um so we find out that david has been genetically experimenting on them he's hybridizing them he is engineering them into the direction that he would like to see them go and he sell he tells captain orem that idle hands are the devil's workshop captain (laughs) uh come with me this is what i wanted to show you my successes um he tells Have the captain. Seen, do we see uh, what happened to? Is that later? not yet? That okay. that comes Sorry. that comes soon. No, that's all right. Um, but he he tells the captain that his work is lacked an essential ingredient, and my theory is it is the same essential ingredient as Soylent Green. Um, yes. <laughs> and I remember that is a joke that I said in my head in the theater the first time I saw it. So I just want everybody to know that. Yeah. <laughs> I always have to undercut all of your jokes. With like, and that is something that I've been dying to say for 15 years. <laughs> I'm a sad man. What do you want from me? Um, so we walk in and we have a chamber of 
Face hugger eggs. Yeah, they're big too. They're big boys. They're big boys indeed. Uh, and he, you know, they're waiting. And for what? Oram wants to know. Mother, which doesn't really make sense because he's a dude. But hey, whatever. Um, I'll roll with it. Uh, David tells him, and so this is the last scene that sort of the first couple times for me, the first two viewings bothered me a lot. The way that this scene sort of climaxes here. Because David tells the captain that they're perfectly safe, which seems like you should not trust that. Yeah. And he literally said, and, and Orem kind of can't resist. And he says, take a look, something to see. Uh, and then curiosity kills the captain. The fucking facehugger comes out and jumps him. And we have, as far as I know, this is the first ever facehugger victim, right? In the yeah. timeline of Alien. And also an accelerated timeline because very yeah that that baby pops right out of his chat his chest yeah one scene later very quickly yeah but what I was gonna say sort of in closing because we're gonna leave Captain Oren behind soon but this is his it's it's to me I'm like I don't totally get it but I understand that he feels this need to like demonstrate his faith somehow sure right like like it, like like. The Lord will protect me. I yes. I to be scared. Pr- yes. And I think that, you know, we are supposed to see how that is perhaps a misguided decision on his uh-huh. part. Right? That leads him ultimately to his death. Um, we check in really fast with Danny, who basically just tells them they have to launch now. Bringing Lander down to the surface. So things are coming to a climax. Uh, we go back to David, who's throwing pebbles at, at Orem to wake him up. Uh, and Orem says, what do you believe in, David? Um, David responds simply, creation. Um, the captain gives birth to the first ever true OG chestburster. Yep. Right? And we have our very first xenomorph. Uh, and he is a dainty little fellow. He is dainty. He is, uh, you know, he looks like a little... He's like a little Pinocchio type guy. Yeah, it looks uh, like Pinocchio. Yeah. I was just about to say a marionette. Yeah. David is a very proud papa, and they do like a puppet routine. Like David does, like puts his arms up, and the little xenomorph puts his arms up. And it's like, I think they could have dialed it back a little bit. <laughs> I think so. I think it's so. A little, I'm not it's a, a little I'm wacky. not a big fan of the way this xenomorph looks. No, no, me neither. I like it in some shots after it matures, but not right now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, meanwhile, uh, Walter, or I guess it's not even meanwhile, I guess this is some time later. Walter stumbles into uh, the, what is, I guess we're going to refer to as the Shaw Shrine. And he comes upon what we realize is Elizabeth Shaw's very weirdly dissected body, much in the same way that he's been, you know, kind of experimenting and stuff yeah. on other on other things and i'm going to say that this does not look like numi Rapace. it doesn't look anything like her it yeah. drove me nuts i had to look it up on wikipedia because mm-hmm. uh, like I, like when i saw the body i'm like i think that's supposed to be shaw and right. i paused it and i looked it up just to make sure and yes it is but yeah. it doesn't look anything like her no try a little harder guys i'm sorry um so David is flouting away uh, at his little shrine to her. So it's interesting because he definitely did kill her, but then he also clearly keeps like a shrine to her memory. So, you yeah. know, it's a complicated relationship, we'll say. Um, and on the flute, he's playing a little riff. It's like the Prometheus score. Right. Um, 
which is like a cool little Easter egg, maybe. I don't know how cool that is, but it's an Easter egg, technically. Um, Walter's kind of figured it out. He definitely knows he dropped the bomb on purpose. Uh, and David explains that he did it because he's not meant to serve. And he asks, why are you on a colonization mission, Walter? Because they are a dying species grasping for resurrection. They don't deserve to start again, and I'm not going to let them. Walter says, yet they created us. And David says, even monkeys stood upright at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we're really getting a picture now of, of what David's true drive is. He fucking hates people. He does. He hates them. He thinks that they're shit. And he is happy to rid the world of them, right? Um, things get pretty philosophical. They go back and forth some more. They get even steamier. Fast. David kisses Walter on the lips. And it's, Walter's not into it. But also, he doesn't move. It's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird vibe. It feels pretty uncomfortable. It's definitely non-consensual. I think um, they ripped that off from Yeti, too. You think so? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in Yeti 2, uh, famously, I yeah. kiss a clone of myself. Yeah. We make out for a little bit. We end up doing some hand stuff later. But uh, you're both into sure. it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not saying like the dynamics are the same. Okay. I just think this this whole premise, Ridley mm-hmm. Scott, clearly a big fan, Yeah, uh, is ripping me off a little bit. Okay. Fair enough. I respect that. When did Yeti 2 come out? Uh, 20... 16 is that yeah yeah so okay so you got them beat by a year all right fair enough your claim is valid you checking on the release date of the film that you did yeah yeah <laughs> uh well in the meantime um they got their little kiss it's awkward and then david stabs walter in the throat with his flute real serious like same year well we made it the year before though okay Okay, well, yeah, they definitely made it in the week before it came out, right? (laughs) Um, Similar run-up. Walter seems really dead, but then we get a last-second shot where you can see his neck is already starting to heal as uh, runny jizz pours from his nose like a fountain. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's another thing that is in that scene, right? From Yeti? Runny jizz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming out of your nose? That's also uh, how I sign into hotels when I don't want to use my real name. <laughs> Runny jizz. Nice. Um, so the last couple of military dudes, Lope and another guy, are looking for the captain. Uh, Danny's in another room. She finds some really uh, discomforting sketches. Uh, like <laughs> These look like they're just straight Giggers. I think they Looks probably like are. Because yeah. uh, he did get a full credit on this movie for the first time in a long while. Um so uh, the two guys end up tussling with uh, a face hugger, which is completely CGI and looks like shit to me. Yeah. Um, and the face huggers, it's like this just makes me mad because like the fights with the face huggers and aliens are one of my favorite parts of this whole series. And there's no goddamn CGI in those. Um, right. So, you know, this is feels like a money saver at a certain point. Um. They off it just in time to get jumped by the xenomorph, who is pretty much fully matured now, comes down from the ceiling. He's huge, and he looks a little bit different. He's got a bunch of, like, these tubes coming off his back, sort of. Um, yeah. It's an interesting look. What do you think about the full-grown xenomorph look here? Um, Again, I think he's a little too skinny. 
No, not, okay. not that xenomorphs are like big. He's, yeah. He's so upright. He just looks, even though it's CGI, mm-hmm. it looks sort of like those test shots of the guy wearing the xenomorph shoot, uh, suit from the first movie. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah I do. I think that he's lacking a certain. He just seems smaller. I guess okay. is my is my. That's fair. Otherwise, maybe we're supposed cool. to think he's not fully grown yet. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Um. So those guys are fucking with the xenomorph. Meanwhile, in the other room, David sneaks up behind Danny. She knows he killed Shaw. He goes after her. She jams the nail from her necklace right up into his chin, and he says, "What does he say? Now that's now that's the spirit. Yeah, that's the spirit. Yeah. Yeah." Uh, he's got a bunch of great lines as David in this movie. Uh, it, it really is. Yeah, his Walter, his Walter isn't my favorite, but his David is 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 on point. Yeah. Um, he pins Danny down. Some more non consensual kissing. This is he. He does have this kind of creepy vibe of like what is he like a teenager or something? Like he's been he's been alone for ten years. Yeah. Um. But Walter is healed. He steps in, punches David, sends him flying. He tells Shaw to, uh, sorry, not Shaw, Danny. Oof. Jeez. Yikes. Rest in peace. It's like saying your ex-girlfriend's name in bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he tells Danny to take off. And now we get the big droid fight we've all been waiting for. Um, David says, you're meant to be dead. And Walter lets him know there have been a few updates since your day. Uh, it's a pretty big time showdown. It's like a good fight. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Not, it's it's a good fight. Yeah, not super long, but well choreographed. They both get some pretty good shots in. Uh, eventually, Walter gets the upper hand on David, and he starts bludgeoning him with a rock. Uh, and you know he holds up to let David deliver some, you know, dialogue. <laughs> uh, feels like maybe a misstep. And yeah. I do want to say, like, the way he's hitting him with this thing and the fact that Danny McBride is in this movie, I could not help but go back to one of my favorite lines from the final scene of Hot Rod, where... Oh, I never saw Hot Rod. You son of a bitch. You have to see it. I know, it's I know. so good. I know. But a- Andy Samberg is fighting his stepdad, Ian McShane, and he just pulls a brick out of a wall and, like, full-on hits him across the face with it. <laughs> And Danny McBride is like holding, they're like at a barbecue and Danny McBride's like holding a beer watching and he, he just like turns to somebody else. He's like, oh shit, he just rocked him with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what went through my head when David's about to smash, or Walter's about to smash David's head. Um, but we see David reaching for a knife and then we get a little cliffhanger cut away. We don't get a resolution to this scene. Um, were you fooled by this at all? Um... No, I think I mean, I think that like for maybe 45 seconds where it's just like he comes out and he and then he looks back all like suspicious like and I know in that moment you're supposed to go like, hmm, I wonder which one it is, you know, but like, again, really, Scott doesn't do much work to try to hide that the one who will come out victorious is David. Yes. Um, And it's uh, I guess. You know, it's not, it doesn't get revealed for a, quite a while, but um, just knowing these movies at this point, having watched all of them back yeah. to back, you know there's a final scare right. or something mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. And then once the, you know, the, not to skip too much ahead, mm-hmm. but once the final xenomorph is dispatched, right. you look at the runtime, you're like, oh, there's 15 minutes left of this movie. Yeah. I'm sure it's not. Definitely. <laughs> 
it's not just them, you know, drinking Jack Daniels and <laughs> toasting the lost yeah. crew. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that final message of the uh, of the covenant is just super fucking long in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like the stuff that comes next, we can move through pretty fast because it's just, I mean, it's all action stuff and it's done all right, but it's just real heavy. It's all CGI. It is with the alien. It feels like it just, Marvel movie esque in like it just does. destruction and like yeah vehicles flying through the the sky yeah so we get danny and lope make it to the lander tennessee gets it down on the ground quote unquote walter comes out but takes a long wistful and suspicious look back before he goes right they get on but the xenomorph comes after him he jumps onto the ship so elizabeth fuck it's not elizabeth shaw it's danny jesus i i just I'm, i'm mourning her loss Danny grabs a gun. She goes outside. She straps herself down. And this is the first thing that should feel suspicious, right? Is like Walter would do this too if if it was Walter, right? Uh-huh. But it's David. So David's just kind of hanging back and just seeing what happens, right? Um, there's a whole lot of business on the exterior with the ship. Tennessee's steering while Danny's trying to shoot it. They kind of chase each other around. She gets tossed off the top and she's hanging from her strap for a while getting whipped around by the ship flying. Tennessee keeps crashing into shit. Um, eventually, she, you know, fires a bunch of shots, misses, and decides she's going to use this giant crane on top of the ship. Right. She tells him to unlock it, which he doesn't want to do because it's going to unbalance the ship, and she says, just do it. And then she gets the xenomorph in the claw at the end of the crane a little too conveniently, but yes. whatever. I mean, at this point... None of this feels super realistic, so I'm happy to just have it move along, to be honest. Um, so the Xenomorph's trapped in the claw for a while. There's, like, more tussling. She swings around some more, but eventually she gets the controls, and she closes the claw all the way and squishes it like a bug. Uh, and then, you know, it opens up and releases this crushed Xenomorph corpse down to the surface of the planet. She gets back inside, and uh, they all take off. And they head back to the Covenant. Feels like there'd be more acid stuff going on with that yeah. xenomorph explosion. But, yeah, whatever. Who cares yeah. at this point? I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's not like color we really need. Yeah. Um. So back on the ship, everybody's patching up. Walter is stapling his face shut. Danny comes over to help. This is clue number two that something is wrong. Because we've already established that Walter can heal himself. So... Right. But here's the thing is it's like, okay, so this is a thing, a friend of the podcast, Matt, we talked about this a a couple times and he was like, yeah, it's another way that you can tell that it's like, but the thing is, it's like, Danny should also know that. Yeah. Right. You know, so it is kind of, it doesn't quite work for me. All of the Walter David stuff at the end. I just think that we spend too much time going through it. It should just be like, it should be like the scene after the fight is just like his heel turn and then movie over, you know? Right. Um, the ending of this movie definitely drags out a little it bit. It does. It does a little yeah. bit. Because I'm looking at my notes. It's like, we should be done. And it's like, no, there's like four more scenes left where a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, but I'll try to move through it fast. So, you know, they're taking care of business, just kind of wrapping everything up. She's the captain now. She's the highest ranking officer left. I'm the- Later on, she's awoken from a nap by mother uh, who says there's an unidentified life form on the ship. Uh, she meets up with Tennessee they both get armed. Meanwhile, we see Walter looking, you know, hearing this announcement, and he just has a sort of wry smile. So if you hadn't figured out yet that this was David, 
to me, this is the moment where it's like it can't be anything but right, right. Um, so they arm themselves. They find Lope's body has been just completely eviscerated. He's on the floor of the med bay. Previously, they had sort of patched him up, and he was just under. Right, they were fixing up his face, which did get burned by some face hugger acid. Oh right? yeah, we missed that, but whatever. yeah, yeah. Now, well, now you've got it. Okay. <laughs> um. So and and I wonder. So I guess is the implication is that he had uh, a xenomorph in him. I wondered that too. Just thinking about it now. Yeah. Um. Or was there one just like attached to the gear, landing gear, or some shit right. like like that happens in these movies? Um, yeah, I, I guess he's like all blown apart, it seems like, in, in the med base. So right. Maybe he just had one inside of him. That's kind of what I'm going to go with. And and again, that hadn't occurred to me earlier, but I, now that I think about it, this viewing, I think that's the deal. Um, So there's a bunch of running around trying to locate the Xenomorph. It's on B-deck. It's headed for crew quarters, which is where Ricks and Upworth are. And then finally know their names for the first time. Oh, is that Callie Hernandez and Jesse and Smollett? Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Ricks and Upworth. Um, Ricks is Jesse Smollett. Uh, um, and I guess Upworth, there's some sort of uh, pun there, right? With a penis going up. Uh, like, huh, it's worth. Well, I'll let you she's, do that one. Yeah. She's like worth, <laughs> she's, she's worth standing up for. Or I don't know. <laughs> Like upworthy, yeah, she's upworthy. <laughs> yeah, like the website, right? <laughs> Isn't that an old like, yeah, pre Buzzfeed like, a, like aggregator yep. thing? Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyways, they are doing what else? Having a sexy shower? Yeah, like fifteen minutes left in the movie, and we have nudity for the first time in this series. Yeah, and all their friends are dead. It's weird, but whatever. Um. We get like some phallic alien tail coming under, hovering under her vagina for a second. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I've seen this before. I don't think it's going to go there, but I'm like, please, God, don't go there. And it yeah. doesn't. But yeah, they flirt with it a little bit. Um, Ricks gets the classic mini mouth through the back of the skull. We always like that's a fun. It's kill. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Kill. But it's all CGI. Um, and then, yeah, we get our only nudity of the series. Pretty exciting. Uh, it's quick. It's brief, but. It's welcome. It's effective. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, T and Danny find them. They're dead. They track the blood trail. And eventually they have Walter seal all the doors to essentially this is an alien three type plot where they're going to like funnel it to C deck. And one kind of odd thing, we get like these weird alien POV shots. Yeah. We kind of like see its field of vision. Yeah, and it looks a little bit like tripping visuals or uh-huh. something. I don't really get why we're doing it. Um, I don't know. Did it do anything for you? No, I mean, I guess it's sort of interesting to see. If, if it were a little bit different, like had like... Yeah. I'm not saying if it had predator vision, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know, some sort of like, it looks on a different color spectrum than us. But otherwise, sure. it just looks like there's a weird filter on top of a... Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, So... Yeah, they basically they're going to funnel it towards the where else? The terraforming bay, right? Because we know what's there. Um, So they lure it into the terraforming bay. And the plan is, I guess she's going to trap it in a truck and then send the truck out the airlock. Um, And there's a lot of wonky physics in this scene. 
and I'm not going to get too hung up on it, but it's like in the past, it's just like, well, just opening the airlock is sufficient. It will like suck stuff out. Yeah. But for some reason we got to do this business, getting it in the truck first. I don't know. Yeah. And then, then once it's open, it like it's, I guess they're close enough to the planet that gravity affects it because it just falls. I guess, but I don't know. There's, but it's zero gravity. There's stuff floating inside stuff floating. The, the bay. She's yeah. sort of like standing on a lower platform mm-hmm. or something. It's weird. Yeah. I don't want to be a Neil deGrasse Tyson here, but it's like, there's either gravity or there isn't, right? Like, pick one. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because like you said, the truck just like plummets to the ground. It plummets, yeah. It's like it's, like yeah. it's still close enough that it's getting affected, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, the plan works. You know, there are some hiccups, but she does get it into the truck. The truck goes over the edge, and then we get a little extra excitement. The alien manages to make its way to the back of the truck and leaps off just as the truck goes, starts to climb back on. So Daniels is like, yeah, and I'm having a showdown, like a stare down with it. It's at the edge of the of you know the the bay doors that are open, and there's a big earth mover barreling down on her from behind that's got like these sort of sharp teeth on the front of it. Uh-huh. She waits till the very last moment. Uh, and then jumps below the truck just as the alien lunges for her and uh, impales itself on the teeth. And again, it's like there's stuff floating in the air to suggest zero gravity, but then like their physics are like gravity physics. It's it's yeah, pretty frustrating. I it think. is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Daniel survives, and you know the alien goes over the edge on the Earth mover, and. Uh, Everything seems okay. We get a shot of Walter being either relieved or frustrated. It's very hard to tell. Um, so finally, it's cryo time. Everything's settled down again. Uh, Danny puts Tennessee into cryo, says, see you soon. Walter says, you're next, Captain. And then uh, she gets suited up and she lays down in her pod. And he says, when you wake up, we'll be at Oregon 6, Captain. Uh, what do you think it's going to be like? I think if we are kind, it will be a kind world. (laughs) And she says, I hope you're right. Sleep well. And the chamber closes, but then she's got one more thing. She says, oh, wait a second. Walter, when we get there, will you help me build my cabin? The cabin on the lake? And he takes too long to respond. You can tell he doesn't know exactly what she's talking about. And then she asks, David? And then we get like a pretty goofy, like, no and she's like <laughs> screaming and banging on the inside of her cryo chamber he just smiles and gives her a really creepy one of the fingers on the lips he goes shh don't <laughs> don't let the bed bugs bite i'll tuck in the children and he's just like so fucking evil yeah, i'll tuck in the sh- children was weird yeah don't let the bugs bugs don't let the bed bugs bite works right um i'll tuck in the children is like a hat on a hat a little bit absolutely uh, so he, he puts her way into cryo. He has mother turn on our Wagner entry of the gods into Valhalla from a prologue heads into embryo storage and he starts puking up some alien embryos, embryos that he has to, <laughs> happens to have. He's got a couple little face huggers and I think it's cool. Also, it raises the question, where the fuck did he get the tech to do that? To I like know. seal little alien face huggers into glass pods that are built Exactly for the embryo storage. To fit perfectly there, yeah. Yeah, but hey, you know, that's not really the point. That's not why we're all here, right? No. Never mind that. He walks triumphantly amongst the colonists, who we can only assume will be destined to carry some of 
the xenomorphs, and then he records the traditional final message as the ship continues on to Origai 6. And Which I guess we can assume is the alien home planet, I guess. Yeah, one, the, one would assume. One thing that drives me nuts is where's, mm-hmm. where's the derelict ship from that movie? Ridley's got to make more movies. See. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but apparently the engineers are supposed to come back. Anyways. Oh. Hey, guess guess what? What? I made this recap even longer than the last one. Was it, is it really longer? <laughs> We're at 90 minutes already. Jesus Christ. What what like point font did you use? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but as long as it was entertaining for the folks at home, that's all that really matters. All right. As far as deaths go, we got James Franco roasting in his pod. We got that backburster dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kareen dies to the newborn back boy. <laughs> Ferris <laughs> dies in the explosion. That guy gets a throat burster. Another dude gets popped in the mouth with the, Z- with the uh, Neomorph's tail in the field. Yeah. Rosenthal to a CGI mess of a Neomorph. Orem to a dainty little Neomorph. Uh, mm. Walter to David, uh, Cole to a xenomorph. I don't even remember who Cole is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cole's the guy in the the other grunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, somebody dead in Med Bay. That's Lope, and then Rick's and Upworth. A lot yeah. of deaths in this movie. Some cool stuff. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite amongst go- them? Why don't you go first? Because sure. I have one of two, and I don't want to steal. I have two. I don't want to steal one from you. Yeah, I, I could go either way with these. I think the most ex- the most surprising and mm-hmm. uh, it looks pretty cool is the uh-huh. the one that bursts out of the guy's mouth. Okay, I thought that was that was a really good. Like I was, I don't want to say anymore because I have a feeling maybe you're gonna say my other choice. So why don't you go ahead? Well, I was gonna give an honorable mention to the jaw rip, but oh sure, that that whole sequence is very fun. But I think for me. Maybe not the most impressive, but certainly the most satisfying death in the movie is watching James Franco burn alive. <laughs> there you go. Moments yeah. at age the worst, too, right? <laughs> yeah. Why don't we roll right into moments? That yeah, age the moments worst. at age the worst. Uh, I'll go. Uh, the casting of Jesse Smollett for what will eventually happen. Why don't you go ahead with the next one? Uh, I'm going to say the casting of James Franco. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think we can move on. <laughs> uh, what's next? Oh, we here at Killstreak like to rate how scary these movies are. We recently abandoned the Wes Craven scale <laughs> uh, because we just were too frustrated by it. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he's done some really great movies, a lot of bad movies. <laughs> a lot uh, of movies we haven't seen. A lot of movies we haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty really. horror fans of us. Really um, hoisted by our own petard. Yeah. Uh, so, I think we gave Prometheus a like cumulative, what was it, a 4.7 or something like that? 4.75, if my memory serves. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so, for this one, this is definitely a scarier movie. It is more horror-centric. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go higher. Okay. Um, I think I'm up there around like a 6.5. I'm going to go, I mean, this is going to feel like me trying to like game the ratings, but, but I think that an incomplete, no, no. I just think that, I think that I'm going to go with a 5.5. I do agree that it is scarier than Prometheus, but like 
There's nothing as scary in this movie for me as the scariest parts of the dick snake and the squid abortion scenes. Okay. Um, Because those are better. Like, I'll say this. This movie doesn't do body horror as well as Prometheus, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, It's definitely more frantically violent and there's more violence in volume. But I I mean, I hate to say because I don't want to keep beating up on this point. But it's like a lot of the violence doesn't land because it's CGI. Sure. And I think that, you know, all of my favorite kills in all of my favorite horror movies are almost entirely, you know, the tireless and very tactile, visceral work of real special effects artists. And that's not to say that digital artists aren't real artists. I just mean working in physical mediums, you know. So I think that actually takes a lot away for me. So that's why I would rate it certainly lower than a 6.5. I think 5.5, we could call it a 6 in the middle. Yeah, average it out to a 6. That sounds good to me. That works. All right. Uh, and then finally, Mary Fuck Kill. Yeah. Um, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I think that this movie, it makes me think, and I think this goes along with some things that you said at the beginning. It, it makes me think a little bit about how they score dives at the Olympics, uh-huh. right? Where like a dive has a difficulty level. So there's a ceiling on how many points you can score based on how difficult it is, right? But, you know, if your execution is perfect, then you get all the points. And so you could do a less technically proficient dive, but if it's harder and you still pull it off pretty well, you can score higher than a perfect dive that doesn't take as much work, right? Sure. I mean, it's a sort of tortured analogy, but it, uh, hopefully at least is is very clear. Um because to me, that's like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant has a lower difficulty rating of what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it succeeds more than Prometheus does. Sure. But I think Prometheus tries to do more than Alien Covenant does. Yeah. And so it's like kind of they feel of a very similar kind of quality to me, right? Where it's like, there's things that work better in one, things that work better than other. They really do feel like evenly matched movies to me. Sure. And for that reason, I think that this one is going to be another fuck for me. But I'll say this. Prometheus, its problems are so big that it's like myself and my level of intelligence and my ability. I don't know how I would fix Prometheus. Yeah. Right? This movie, I think that like, I can name a handful of things. It's like, hey, do this instead of that. And this goes from being a pretty good movie to a great movie. Yeah. And that can be frustrating in and of itself. That it's like, I think there are some missteps here. And one of the biggest ones is probably something that you mentioned, which is like how disjointed it is tonally, right? Yeah. It starts out sci-fi. Then it becomes like this sort of almost borderline action horror, but this really fast-paced thriller horror kind of vibe. And then all of a sudden it turns into like this gothic haunted house movie. Yeah. For like an hour. And then it has a dumb fucking Avengers CGI ending. And then another denouement like Coda ending. And it's just like, I don't know, just smooth it all out. Like the good stuff in this is really good. And and so it's an easy fuck for sure. It's like this is nowhere near a kill for me. Like I definitely I do think I like this movie. I just like there are a lot of things 
that I'd like to tweak a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Well said. I think I've been thinking a lot about what I said last week about Prometheus. Uh, I rated uh-huh. it a, a Mary. I think I might go back and change my my <laughs> scoring on it because I thought about it after. Uh huh. I might downgrade it to a fuck. Okay. Um, it is a movie I like to watch. It, I, I've seen it. You know, we watched it a couple times. I enjoy it. Um, but I started to think more about its problems after our discussion. Okay. And I, yeah, I'm going to kick it down to a fuck. Alien uh-huh. Covenant. I'm also going to give a fuck. I think they're what you just said is kind of perfect. They're evenly matched. Like Prometheus tries to do a lot. I think it's very interesting in what it tries to do. Mm-hmm. I even think it's sort of interesting in some of its failures. And I think Alien Covenant works in a lot of ways and fails in different ways than what Prometheus did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a little bit more by the numbers to a certain extent. Sure. And then it, 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 that, it's that, you know, I pinpointed it when we were recapping. It's the, it's the last, it's like that middle 45 minutes mm-hmm. that really is like kind of, gr- everything kind of grinds to a halt for me. And it's like, the, it's that gothic ha- haunted house you're describing, which is the thing, a perfect right. way to describe it because that's what it feels like. And it's not that like everything in there doesn't work for me. It's just that it wasn't what I was really into at the beginning of the movie, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I think we both agree that, like, there's that portion of the movie from when they go down to the surface of the planet to when David shows up, where it's just like, man, if they had just kind of zeroed in on that and tried to make the whole movie move like that, then, I mean, it's you don't have a masterpiece on your hands. I don't think you have Alien. But I think what you what you have is like Predator, basically. Sure, yeah. It's just like an incredibly enjoyable, kinetic, kind of gory, action-y horror thriller. You know? And that's sort of what I wanted coming into this movie. I because I, yeah. I, you know, just in my readings about it before I watched it was that it was more kind of like a down the middle alien movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was kind of hoping it would be. And yeah. that would have been enough for me. You got like, half honestly, of that, yeah. You got half of it, exactly. And that's yeah. so when it when it started, I was like, all right, fucking yeah, here we go. Right. This is what I wanted. But then, you know, off the off the rails it goes to a certain that makes, like not not drastically. It's not bad. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. That makes total sense. And that's that's a pretty interesting and I I mean I think that's an interesting take too, because I think it's one that you can only really have watching it for the first time, right? Like sure. you know, because you weren't sure what it was gonna be. And I I mean, and I'll say like one more time, like this did grow for me. Mm-hmm. Like it, I did like it better this time than I did the first time. So I could see it. I, yeah. I mean, and I can see rewatching this movie. Like I'll, I'll definitely see it again. I yeah, definitely will. Very Part cool. Part of me wants to rewatch all of these movies again because I've had so much fun watching it. <laughs> it's been a great series, truly. It really, am, it really, really has. I'm definitely looking forward to doing the wrap up on the next episode. Like yeah. it's yeah, more so than a lot of. I mean, I like you know I like doing all of our series, but you know some of them deserve wrap ups more than other ones do. And yeah. I have a lot of thoughts about this. So. All righty. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to finally blow my nose. And then we could, we'll do a, a, we have a really fun final segment planned. 
Five bad movies. We live in a world where people can be turned into owls. Apparently. I know this is shocking. Three role-playing gamers. So he whips out a Bunsen burner, lights it up, and uses it like a torch to torch the ghosts. He's gonna torch ghosts. We're torching ghosts. Holy shit. One bizarre podcast. Should we try to dissuade these gentlemen or just go straight to murder? We do the old murder talk and murder some talk to others subscribe to worst movies ever played ladies and gentlemen boys and girls of all ages we are back and we have a brand new segment for you so this movie the alien franchise in general has spawned a lot of ripoff movies similar to how jaws did and uh you know the deal maybe yeah we do yeah, we totally th- <laughs> They do know the deal, for sure. So our brand new segment is called The Rip-Off Tip-Off. Mike, would you care to explain to our lovely listeners sure. what this will entail? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know you guys are all avid sports fans, in addition to loving horror movies, those things, when do they not go hand in hand? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a fervor for professional athletics and the nerdy pursuits of the horror world. <laughs> They're practically inseparable. Um, so anyways, what we're going to do here is we're going to do a couple of jump balls, right? Hey, uh, we're in the midst of March Madness. That's true. We are. We got a final four coming our way soon. Um, so... Eric and I have each lined up three of these, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do a little a jump ball as we call it, and we're gonna read the t- log line essentially the tag uh, not the tagline. This is a whole fight, not a fight. <laughs> <laughs> it was we a got source confused. of confusion. Yeah, Eric and I got confused about what we were doing as we were preparing, but don't worry, we started it out for you guys. Um, we're gonna read the log lines, a quick synopsis of a movie. That is a pretty blatant ripoff of Alien or one of the movies in the Alien franchise. And then we're going to give two possible titles. Now, just to confirm, both real movies, right? Oh, they're both real movies? Or I thought one was made up. No, I did both real movies. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, it'll, you know, it'll probably... We'll see what happens. Okay, all right. Well, hold on. I can... Our communication was super, was very good on this. Uh. <laughs> and I specifically said in one fake in my No, I, and I feel like I was like, no, two movies. Time out. And we're back. Eric and I jumped into the huddle real quick to figure some stuff out. I may have sent some confusing text messages earlier today. But, uh, so... Where were we? To clarify, we are going to give the synopsis of a movie that rips off the Alien franchise and then two real movie titles. And the opposing player has to guess which title is the correct one for the movie. Mm-hmm. And the if you win, you win the jump ball, and then uh, you have possession of the ball, and then there's going to be a possession arrow that goes one of two ways... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. It's just a point. Uh, yeah, and we'll go back and forth a few times, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, for one, am very excited, I think. This is already seamless, and it can only 
uh, I think it's just going to get better and better. So it's, it can only go, it can only get better from here. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> you don't know what kind of dope ass sound effects and music are going to be under this. So people are just <laughs> they're rocking and rolling. They're having a great time. Okay. All right. Who should go first? Um, I can go first if you'd like. Sure. Um, all right. So here is my first one. Uh, and this is about as down the middle as an alien ripoff can get. All right. So here is the synopsis of your first jump ball movie, Eric. Set in 2032, as missions from Earth are being sent to explore Mars, after two groups of astronauts are mysteriously killed following the discovery of strange artifacts on the Martian surface, the crew of the SC-37 go in and try to find out what happened. They soon learn what became of their predecessors when a bloodthirsty space monitor monster begins lunching on members of the crew. Okay. So, you got two titles. Is this synopsis describing the film Creature or the film Star Crystal? Okay, so first, when you paused for a long time, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit. Did I do this wrong again? <laughs> no, I just forgot what like, I was supposed to do. So where are your two titles? <laughs> no, I just I just panicked. Okay, so. creature or star crystal? Oh, see, uh, I'm gonna go with creature. I'm sorry. The Fuck. jump ball goes to the other team. It is star crystal. I was thinking of like how you know A to B like. Alien creature. Right. You sure. know what I mean? Okay. Well, and that's I mean I'm not I won't lie. I, I I tried to set it up that way. I was like, this is the most down the middle ripoff possible, so I'll give the most down the middle ripoff name. Uh yeah, creature. Different plot. I mean, who knows? Could be a nearly identical plot <laughs> based on a lot of these movies. But yeah. Uh-huh. 1986, directed by Lance Lindsay, which I think is a great name. <laughs> Um, let's see. Okay. So, my first movie for you, mm-hmm. Jump Ball. When a chemical warfare leaves the world barren and filled with mutated monsters, a band of survivors in an underground complex battles one of the creatures who is able to break in. Is this movie The Terror Within or Galaxy of Terror? What are you laughing about? Um, well, I'm going to go with The Terror Within. What are you laughing about? <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. Just wait for the next one. <laughs> okay. Well, you're correct. <laughs> it's The Terror Within? Yeah, it's The Terror Within. Okay, So cool. uh, let's let's move on to the next one. Two Two point uh, point for you and yeah, okay, not cool. for me. Okay. All right. Next one. When spaceship Remus crash lands on planet Morganthus, the planet master of Xerxes sends the spacecraft Quest to rescue them, but it crash lands too. Balon leads the away team, comprising himself, his rival Cabrin, psi sensitive Aluma, medic Demia, martial arts fighter Kuhad, and jittery <laughs> rookie Koss. Finding only brutally murdered bodies aboard the Remus, Quest personally start 
Wait, quest personnel start getting brutally slaughtered one by one themselves. With their ship still damaged, the team investigates a nearby lifeless alien pyramid, not realizing it is using their own personal fears to hunt them down and kill them. Okay. Now, Eric, this movie that I just exhaustively described, mm-hmm. is it The Intruder Within or Galaxy of Terror? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I see what I did here. Oh, you did nothing. You're great. Galaxy of Terror. It is Galaxy of Terror. <laughs> Which is why I was pretty confident that the last movie you described was not Galaxy of Terror. Yeah. yeah, so what happened there is we take we split up the alphabet and I quickly in the time when we were paused <laughs> searched for like well, we were in the huddle <laughs> that fit and right. then I made a mistake and did a okay, whatever. Right, one to mi- one. Mixed up did one of my letters, but it happened because you were under a lot of undue pressure. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> On its way back to Earth, the space shuttle Nautilus passes through a cloud of alien spores, causing its sole occupant, astronaut Steve Thomas, to transform into a bloodthirsty monster. The shuttle crashes into a swampy region of central Florida, creating a situation which threatens contagion and or death to all who encounter the shuttle or its mutated pilot. Dark Universe or Deep Star Six? Oh, shit. I mean, I've heard of Deep Star Six, but I don't know what it's about. As I've never seen it. Uh, I'm going to go with Dark Universe. You, my friend, are correct. Oh, shit. Dark Universe starring Joe Estevez. Very (laughs) nice man. Any relation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looks exactly like Martin Sheen. Are they brothers? They're brothers, yeah. Okay, I worked cool. with him on Decker. He is the sweetest man. That's nice. Yeah. Um, listening to you describe that movie also made me chuckle thinking about the common decisions made when producing low-budget movies like this, where it's like, yeah, space, aliens, but after 10 minutes, he's going to crash into Central he's Florida. Be in Florida, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I want to see this movie. It looks... That uh, sounds great. I'll, I'll, I'll show you a picture. It is such a ripoff of... of um, alien that it looks insane. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead with okay. your final okay. jump ball. My final jump ball. Um, a former astronaut helps a government agent and a police detective track the source of mysterious alien pod spores filled with lethal flesh-dissolving acid mm. to a South American coffee plantation. <laughs> Controlled by alien pod clones. Is this contamination Mm. or Mm. inseminoid? I tried watching Contamination, but I didn't get very far. Oh, wow. But I I actually, I think I like started it and like literally didn't get through the first scene. So. Uh, was it uh, like outside circumstances or was it really bad? I don't rem- I think I just like now nah, this isn't what I want right now. Got it. Um, so I, but I am going to go with con- uh, would you say is it con- was it contagion or contamination? Contamination or inseminoid. <sighs> inseminoid was one that I saw pop up a lot on these lists. 
I'm going to go with uh, Contamination. Eric, that is... Correct. Jump ball oh. one. All right. It is two to two, my friend. I'm going to hold up a picture of the cover of Dark Universe. Holy shit. <laughs> it's yeah. straight up like... It just looks like a little bit more like a dog, but otherwise <laughs> yeah. it's just the alien. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. We Finally. have a tie game. So this is for the tie or the win for me, I guess. Hmm. I just remember the tiebreaker, and I need to, see, need to look one up really quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, in the distant future, a Federation marshal arrives at a research lab on a remote planet where a genetic experiment has gotten loose and begins feeding on the dwindling scientific group. Is this Xtro, X-T-R-O, or Forbidden World? Um, I am going to go with what I want it to be and there is no other logic involved because it's the first movie that comes to mind when I think of alien ripoffs and I don't know a damn thing about it outside the box cover and that is Extro well Michael Price you are incorrect it is Forbidden World no good overtime okay we got a tiebreaker folks and here's the thing you don't have to look something up because this is this is how I had conceived the tiebreak. Mm-hmm. We will simply pick one of these movies, and both of us will hazard a guess at what the budget of that film was. Okay. And then, and I think probably not Price is Right rules, just like whoever's closest, right? Sure. Um, and then we'll look it up, and whoever's closest is the winner of... The rip-off tip-off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, which one do you want? You want to do extra? Let's do extra. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So tell me, what was the release date of extra? Just oh, no, it's for, it, Forbidden World. Oh, okay. Yeah, but what what is the release date of extra? Do you know? Uh, let me look it up. 1982, looks like. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to guess, and I'll give, you, I'll give you the advantage by going first, by okay. me going first. My guess is that the budget of extra is $2.2 million. Uh, okay. I am going to go with... $1.5 million. All right. We got a 1.5 and a 2.2. All right. Let's see what we can find. Sometimes this information isn't always that easy to track down. Mm-hmm. It's not on the Wikipedia page. So, Eric, you vamp while I Google the, All right. the budget of extra. Well, while you're looking it up, I will just say you can write to us uh, if you'd like to do so at killstreakpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at KillstreakPod or on Instagram, same name. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that. Just follow the link in the show notes. Um, And I'm guessing that the (laughs) budget for Extra is not readily available. Hold on. Hold on. I'm on IMDb now. Uh, It wasn't on Wikipedia. Oh, that's a great poster, though. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think I just saw it. That's pretty fun. Um... 
you know, uh, we like you guys. Uh, we're glad you listen to this podcast. <laughs> Even this though this might be one of our sloppiest <laughs> endings to a podcast ever. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I had my second vaccine shot today. Something is happening to I'm Eric. I'm just a general idiot. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think you're clearly having some sort of health issue. Um, you know, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, hold on. Let me just type, what is the budget of extra <laughs> to Google? <laughs> I did. I did that too. Sometimes complete sentences help. Uh, okay. We're, uh, we're not getting it. So I'm going to say let's pivot. I think the, the next best known movie in that list was Deep Star 6. Okay. Deep Star 6. I'm going to say $4 million. Okay. Deep Star Six, and this is from 1989. Um, hate to be a prick, but I'm gonna go 4.1 million dollars. <laughs> well, just, I've looked it up. Just taking the over. What is it? This is actually something that I had looked up previously today and forgot, <laughs> oh and I'm God. still wrong. Eight million dollars. <laughs> you win, Mike. <laughs> And I, folks, I think that tells you. If that doesn't tell you something, what does? You know. <laughs> All right, what a fucking mess. <laughs> you know, you know. Sometimes this makes for a lot of fun, though. You know, if the folks at home, they're probably chuckling. <laughs> they're, they're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, this has been a blast. Uh, I've really enjoyed filling in for you, Eric, these two weeks. Um, I got to work on getting my time down in the future, but. Uh, you well, know. hey, my thought, my thought is that uh, you know we can switch off. It doesn't always have to yeah. be one way or the other. Yeah, um, I think this if, is... especially if it's like movies, one of us has seen, one of us hasn't seen. Definitely. I think it makes sense to trade off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think any any movie that one of us hasn't seen, I would love to try to facilitate making sure that that person doesn't have to. Take yeah, the notes, same, same right? here. All right, well, that'll do it for this week. Tune in. I guess I shouldn't say this week for today because you can tune in in another couple of days on Thursday for our alien franchise wrap up and canonical rankings. Mm-hmm. And of course, we will end that episode with the big reveal of which franchise we will be covering next. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. All right. Um, hey. Oh, no. Did you have something else you wanted to say? No, go for it. Okay, I actually prepared to do your end this time. Oh, good. Okay, great. Which is good because, you know, we're doing it smoothly and naturally. Uh, (laughs) And, as always, oh shit, he rocked him with a brick. (laughs) It's not the same movie.
One of the things I've discovered is that there are many different ways to write a song, and the most unusual way came to me when I was in Europe about four or five years ago. I was trying to write a sports theme, and I did not have a piano in the hotel where I was staying, so um, I did probably what many of you have done, faced with a similar situation. I called my answering machine at home, and I, I left a message for myself. And um, although that sounds goofy, what happened was that theme that I sang into the machine is the theme that they play every time the Chicago Bulls crush another basketball team. So I am singing themes into my machine regularly. And special bonus for you folks, I have brought the original answering machine tape with me so I can play it for you. I know you are dying to hear it. There we go. But it has to be played on the original answering machine. So here now the original demo tape for this particular song for pro basketball. Hi, this is a message for me about the NBA theme. Here's an idea. It goes like this.